Hello and welcome to How to Waste Your Time. I would even say welcome back for all of the reoccurring listeners. And if it's your first time, welcome aboard. This is one crazy ship you're going to want to ride on. I'm here with my guest co-host with the most, the number two in my life, not number one. It is D-Rye Darian Equipado. Co-captain or our first mate? Oi, laddie. Fish mate. Oi. Um, so glad to have you. I'm I'm more of a helmsman guy, you know. Um, keeping us on the the true and narrow. So it's been a little while. I'll be honest, guys. It's been a, it's been a minute. Uh, but it's good to be back. Good to be back in the stew. It <laughs> let us back in these airways, dude. Sharkatua. Um, since we've been gone, there's been a couple things. Um, if you guys head over to the Level Zero podcast. You'll find a episode of uh, the show that I did with Preston Wilkie, where we kind of go over the history of Evo, which is a fighting game tournament um, that has been going on for most of this millennia. Uh, so if you want to give that episode a listen, hear me spiel off some history, talk about some of my opinions, some facts, just straight up, you know, solid casting. What's your favorite game from Evo? This year? Um, it could be any year. I mean, if you're going off my top 150, it's Smash, like Smash Ultimate, probably. That's like, that's what you tune into Evo for? I mean, that's one of the things, yeah, I would. And I watched some of Guilty Gear Strive this year. But yeah, when Smash was at Evo, they're no longer because I think Evo was bought out by uh, PlayStation, Sony. Well, it was no longer because Nintendo said, stop using our game for tournaments. Well, they said stop using our game for tournaments at the beginning, and they said, "Okay, you guys can play it, but you can't stream it." And yeah, then, and yeah, then everybody yeah. went, "Well, okay, <laughs> guys, all right, all we're right, just, we're just right, going into the episode right, now. Right, Let's, right, right. you gotta listen. This is too much, too much juicy." And uh, another thing that we dropped was the medium of the month I did with Connor. Um, we, we went over two different musical bands, um, very different, very indie. Uh, if you want to discover some new music, that's uh, South African indie rock or um, UK jazz rap. Um, that's what we talk about. So is where I'd put my um, uh, South African accent to piss Connor off. Just this is where I would put it. I I don't want to actually record myself doing a South African accent, but this is where I would put it. Right. This is this is where. It, like imagine like if he was Australian, I would be like, oi. Right. Because, I mean, if we're not directly offending anyone, you know, it's not that bad. But personally, I think it would be like a personal dig if I was like, threw some Elon on here right now. Like if, like if, if he was Russian, I would have been like, ah, yo, nah, yo. Um, so yeah, listen to that episode. It's, (laughs) it's, uh, it's been passed over. Um, like, like a house with a symbol on it in the Bible. It's been passed over. Um, dear, I was giving me a look. That was a little biblical joke for all of you, uh, Torah fans out there. Um, but we do have a, um, wiggity, wiggity time waster timetable segment to get to. Um, it's just following up with a last month's episode. One Jerry McBride, he challenged me. He dare, might I say, he he set me up. He said, 
you need to indulge in the boys. You didn't give it a fair shot. And I said, sure. I didn't give it a fair shot. I'm loyal to my listeners. Loyal as a dog. So I watched episode two of The Boys, season one. Um, kind of forgetting what happened in episode one because it had been maybe a year. Um, yeah, somewhere between eight months and a year. Yeah, somewhere between that. And uh, it, I would say, uh, yeah, this episode was better. I, I For anyone who has seen The Boys... Basically, you just get the bare bones of what like Homelander is about, and you, I think you spoilers for episode two of the boys. You see, uh, the Invisible Man get blown up. Like, I think that's how the episode ends. Um, yeah, it's better. I would say this episode was probably like a sixty-eight. I would say it's fun, fun. Like, I wouldn't call it a good episode. I wouldn't call it good television. Again, I think it's just not for me. If it's for you and you like it, you know, I tip my cap to you, m'lady, and um, I'm I'm happy for you. D-Ray likes it. Yeah, I just feel like uh, to the to the show's um, critique, uh, m- more of my favorite episodes, more of the episodes I would call like better, are just further down. Which is, I mean writing and directing and producing a show you probably don't want that well, i'm no want some I'm, balance i'm sure i'll i'll like i would like other episodes more but i just i just don't want to do it i just i just don't want to do it just don't don't make me do it don't make me don't make me watch it so th- that's the episode for today I just, we just don't want to do it yeah yeah, thank you for listening to How to Waste Your Time. Be sure to write in and rate and subscribe. No, but for real, though, do write in. We didn't get any emails. Uh, so if you have anything for us to watch. That, that's real. That one, that one's real talk. Um, so if you have anything for us to watch, listen to, play, yada, yada, that's going to be howtowasteyour at gmail.com. If you're a new listener that uh, is listening for the first time because you met me at PAX, which is something that I went to, PAX West, then uh, welcome. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this episode um, excites your fancy. Uh, before we do jump into the first medium, which will be movies, we are going to do a little how to waste your carbonation. So today we have one Coke Dream World. It's been sitting out for probably about an hour, so it's not as... No, uh, 40 minutes. Not as chill as it maybe once was. Um, it is in a plastic bottle, so not a can. Um, another one of these, uh, Coca-Cola products that Brian Keys is forcing me to drink. Um, so now dear, I go ahead and give us the honors go crack that baby open. Well, I'm kind of like balancing my mic and also aiming it away from the computer setup. Oh, that was a good, I, I don't know if our, uh, came through crystal clear there, but that was a little bit of a, it was, it was soft and kind of sweet, maybe dreamlike. Dream like dream me. Go ahead, bro. Crack crack that open. Let's give it a drink. Give let's give the audience what they've been waiting for. Juicy. Tasty. Coca Cola. I'll be honest. I don't even really like Coke that much. Yeah, I was I I was just gonna start like I'm a I'm Pepsi. If you, I'm if I'm doing it like if it, if they have Coke or Pepsi, I'm choosing Pepsi. Wow, 
Wow. And this one, this one's supposed to be, what is this? Like, it says dream flavored, but what is it? What are we actually looking at here? What does that even mean? It, to me, it, it's pretty like sweet. It tastes almost like citrusy. Well, this is good. Oh, here it is. Um, natural flavors. Yeah. That's what you're tasting. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, um, I'm, I may just cut this segment because I think this was a, this was a dud. <laughs> but uh, Coke Dream World, everyone. Limited edition. You need another uh, tie-in from, from the timetable into movies? <laughs> Dream World, everyone. It, I, it's berry. It's kind of citrusy. Yeah, it's um, kind of citrusy. It's 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 too it's too sweet. Two hundred forty calories for this whole thing, man. Yeah, not drinking the whole thing. Mm-mm. No, no, no way, Jose. Yeah, I'm, I am capping that up. No cap. Just kidding. There is cap. There's a cap on top. Um, man. So do do a lead in, but not uh, from <laughs> how to waste your carbonation. And now time for the movies. Today I'm going to be talking about a little movie called Bullet Train. Have you seen the trailer for Bullet Train? I've seen the trailer. Um, but yeah. what what wasn't in the trailer was actually like how many more actors are in the movie. Uh-huh. Um have you seen the movie? I have not seen the movie. Okay, well then how do you know there's more actors? Um I saw a TikTok and it was going through uh how everyone in the cast has played a superhero before or villain. Hmm. Um notably uh General Zod. Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. Yeah. I, he's not in the I mean not that I can remember, he's not featured in the trailer. Well, there's some characters that are like, oh, who's it going to be? And he's one, he's one of those characters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I figured it's kind of like a a a group group session of a movie, you know. There's a lot of there's a lot of talent walking around that train. So Bullet Train is actually a Japanese novel that is adapted to this western Hollywood movie. Stinky. Just uh, ripping them off. Um, did you did you uh, consult the source material? I did not consult the source material, uh, but because it's a novel and I I only read comic books. Like I, come on. <laughs> you think I'm gonna crack open a novella? I come on. Like what do you? What, do you think there's a reason why movie or comic books, dude? Do you, do you think there's a reason why books isn't one of the mediums on the show? Do you ever do you ever question that? I haven't questioned it actually. Yeah, maybe you should have. Um, so now to get to the plot, it it takes place on a bullet train going from Tokyo to Osaka. Sure, we'll say that. Um, and it's all about this briefcase that has money in it, and it's whoever has the briefcase, and it features Brad Pitt, and it features, um. It features uh, David Terry's Henry um, and Michael Shannon. He makes an appearance. There's even a uh, one Sandy Bullock. Uh, you hear her oh. voice throughout. 
she was not in a uh, superhero film. Um, uh, how- the Blind Side. <laughs> True. Michael Orr is my hero. Well, she's the white savior. Oof. Too true, man. Too true. <laughs> uh, just imagine Train to Busan, directed by Guy Ritchie. Okay, I'll 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 bite. I'll eat that. Yeah. Um. It actually, it's a big, it, like some train movies. I'm like, oh, I wish it more of it took place on train. No, it's like Train to Busan. Like pretty much the whole thing takes place in like going through train carts. Like the whole thing. There's a little bit beforehand. And then I think it's a little bit after, but like for the most part, it's just going through. And it's it's like a total Guy Ritchie film. Uh, you know, you got several different characters. You got the English bros, and then you got like f- flashbacks to like what they were doing beforehand. It makes for a slow motion. Some slow mo, some breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing like cringy, which is nice. I like nothing like a tooth getting punched out and flying towards the screen yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, real, real tasteful. Nice. Uh, but it's good action. It's good. Like heistiness. It's good. Like there's some like literally laugh out loud moments. The, the relationship between, um, Tangerine and his counterpart, um, who is actually not that great of an actor, I thought, but like in this role, he kills it. Uh, his name is lemon. And the two of them just really feed off each other super well. And it's, it's surprisingly got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of like questions about chance and fate and like, what does it mean to be lucky or unlucky? Um, all, all the cast all around is really, really solid. There's just one that really, really grinded my gears. There's a character named Prince who's played by a female named Joey King. And I don't think she's a good actress. And she has to play this like role where she's acting in the role where she's acting like she's innocent. Her character is acting. Yes. Her character is acting. So she's obviously a key player to this story. um, And she's acting like she's innocent. Like she doesn't know what's going on. And so within the movie, her character is also acting. So it's like, if you're not a good actor, you can't act like you're acting while you're acting. Yeah, it just doesn't, uh, it's not conveyed. One one of the two performances falls apart. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but that being said, I, I, I love the movie. I'm giving it an 80 out of 100 because it's really, really good. Brad Pitt is the star. He's my favorite actor of all time. Um, I love train movies. Um, they make references to Thomas the Tank Engine throughout the whole movie, which is like great because there's some subtlety behind that too. Um, it really caught me off guard. I thought this movie could be bad. The trailers don't look that great. Uh, there's a lot of things going against it, but it, it turns out it's a great movie. And I really think people are sleeping on it or, uh, I don't, I don't know. I've seen some people disagree with my opinion, but I'm, I can't even vibe with what the reviews are. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. All right, bro. What, what movie you got for me? Um, we got Hulu's big predator movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Prey. And what's your predator background? Uh, my predator background is I've seen uh most of them. Um, like predator I, one, predator two. I think that's predator one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm not sure what predator three is. If that's the Adrian Brody one, didn't see it. Did you see the most recent one with Kegel, Mike, and Key? The one before this? No. Did you no, know he yeah. was in one? 
that's the same one, isn't it? Is that that's 2018? Is that the, the Adrian Brody and Q M- M- Michael Key are in the same one? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I'll, I'll look into it. So, and but, then also, yes, both a- Alien versus Predator. I've seen both of those. Okay. okay. There's Predators from 2010. There's Predator, Predator 2, and then Predators from 2010, The Predator from 2018, and then now Prey. Yes, so I've... Who's in Predators? Predators from 2010. That one one is Adrian Brody and Topher Grace. Gotcha, so I haven't seen Predators and The Predator. Okay, so you're... You vibe with the OGs and the AVP. I'm, I'm deep enough in the sauce, I would I would say. You're goaded with the sauce on these. Um, <clears throat> beyond that, I I watched a uh, I watched a breakdown of I think the Predators, which w- would feature, um, Ultra Predator, and um, and Olivia Munn. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's the one I'm thinking of. I watched a breakdown just because I wanted to see the Predators. Um, like what they looked like. Yeah, because they're they're all their own characters. Um, right, they all have names, right? Yeah, they do all all have names. There's one guy in there, Ultra Predator. I, he was pretty cool. He's just like Giga Chad. Um, this one specifically, I don't even. Uh, he doesn't have a name, not yet. I guess it has. It's kind of decided by the audience. Um, but he's listed as Predator in this movie. Um, this takes place in uh, let's say uh, an indigenous time of Americas. Okay. Is that is that a proper way to phrase that? Sure. When when it, they were the only people that realm pre uh pre colonialization colonializations colonialization. I just wanted to get that one out because I screwed it up the first time. Yeah, I said yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, basically, it's taking place. Uh, as everyone knows, um, predators will uh have designated Earth as their uh game hunting land. Um, for sport sport uh all of earth um and basically to ra- raise your ranks and uh to uh grow as a as a predator you are uh dropped on earth for a hunt um this man is dropped into uh looks like i believe it's cherokee they're speaking cherokee um cherokee land and basically he is uh hunting through the uh predator list of that and it gets uh the gears get a little jammed when she uh when predator meets naru a young uh cherokee female who also is looking to um become war chief and uh get her perfect hunt so apparently prey is actually a direct prequel to the predator from 2018 they're actually connected hmm. that that's interesting i wonder if it's the same predator then they're possibly uh, along his bloodline. Yeah, part of his part of his history. Um, yeah, but this one's been received pretty well. A lot quite, of people quite quite well. As um, far as like Predator movies go, this is like a that's a big deal. Well, it's just such a fresh take because, uh, you know, you get you get to your your late '80s action movies, and it's all about like shooting and big explosion and crazy Predator gadgets. Um. This guy's pretty. As far as predators go, he's pretty limited. Um, of course, he has his uh, plasma blaster. Um, he has this. Uh, he has his uh, 
great pole spear um and then his wrist blades and the only a uh, few other pieces of gadgets that he has he has the net and then um also kind of like this uh it's kind of like a throwing guillotine like it's a little thing of blades and chains and they they close as they as he throws them so chop off a limb or something like that sounds like a uh, dead space yeah a bit dead spacey um other than that i think it's it's very respectful to obviously the culture that's being depicted um so it's i just want to correct you here just for our, our listeners at home it's comanche comanche um and apparently they had a uh a dub that you could choose to listen to where it's all yes. spoken in Comanche. And did you yes. did you watch that, Doug? I watched some of it because I originally watched I'm not going to watch the movie through again. Right. Um, but I did watch a bit just to experience it. Even then, it's still... Um, it's just more reading, honestly. But it is nice to... I mean, obviously for the Comanche people to have a whole movie um, in their language and also the actors, like, legit able to speak their language and perform through their language is definitely a plus a, a nice nice bit of representation there yeah well i mean because that's the cool part about it is that it's actually all the original actors are did the dub in comanche right whereas like traditionally if you have like a spanish movie if you have a spanish dub or something it's all just spanish voice actors who do the dub it's not like the actual actor speaking spanish yes um there's also uh, a group of french hunters too and some of their lines are not subtitled um, I thought that was a nice little taste as well. So, I mean, you're from the point of view of the main protagonist and she doesn't speak French. So when any time any of the, uh, French hunters are speaking, you can't understand them. Mm, interesting. Um, always a good taste, but, um, I mean, overall for a predator movie, um, this is going straight down to the 84. Yeah. Great movie. I'm, I definitely want to watch it and I, I need like more of this, like, hunting type action stuff but i i have heard people kind of are disappointed with just the legacy of predator like the 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 predators are are badass but at the end of the day it's like they're never it's not like alien like at the end of aliens like a lot of times it's like oh there's no hope the aliens always win but it's now it's like well pretty much in all the predators movies the, the humans yeah so i mean if you want to break into the predator lore um, the xenomorphs are the uh, highest level of game that the uh, predators need to slay in order to um, reach Valhalla. Yeah, basically reach their elder status. Um, so that's why, you know, the predators and the xenomorphs go hand in hand. If you uh, also count in, you know, you, you take in your Prometheus lore as well. Yeah. I need to see Alien Origin still. True, true. I think I think that's it. Revelation, Alien Revelation, Alien, alien Re- Remnants, Alien uh, Resolution. Now Alien, that's a series I can get behind. Now Tain, I can get into. In that's a little crack to get us going in the right direction. So with TV, I got a lot of things I can talk about here. Um, I'm going to withhold a lot of it uh, because I'm going to be talking about the rehearsal. The rehearsal is the greatest show 
that never was. So I say that because Nathan Fielder is one of my favorite comedian directors of all time, and especially still in the game right now. Um, he has this very specific style of like deadpan comedy. If you've never seen Nathan for You or How to with John Wilson, then uh, you're sleeping, dog. Sleeping on Wake two, up. two of the best comedy series of the past 10 years. Easily. Easily. So the rehearsal is now his third project. He's directly involved with this. More hands-on, I think, than ever. Uh, the premise of it is that if you rehearse something uh, before you do it, something like big a moment in your life, then you'll be more prepared for it. That's the gist of it. That's uh, that's the EP breakdown number one. So in the first episode, um, he reaches out to find a real person, and uh, they their name's Core, I think, and he Cor. he needs to tell one of his longtime friends that he's been lying to them for the past ten years, and it's about something really simple. It's just he's been lying about having a master's degree. He really only has a bachelor's degree, but this is a big deal because it's part of their trivia team and. They keep on sending him like job applications that require him to have a master's, and he just doesn't have. The... Yeah, I like when he explains it's like, and it's really you know come to you know prevalition when they're sending me job interviews that require a master's degree, and it's like like that's such a big deal in yeah. his life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I I'm not gonna trivialize what's what's big to him or whatever, but like absolutely like I, I get it if, if you feel like you've been living a lie and it's like you need to come truth like and that you, that i can connect with getting getting job applications where the education's too high for you not a big deal living a lie maybe so essentially what nathan fielder does is he uses all of this hbo max budget and builds a one-to-one replica of this bar that he wants uh core to take his friend to to tell her uh, that he's been lying. Uh, and so instead of like actually going there, doing anything, they have this replica of, and they have a bunch of extras and actors and they even have a one to like someone that n- met the friend. Eh. Yeah. She, he had hired an actress to, uh, interview and meet with the friend separately in, um, uh, just a completely fabricated setting and also fabricated fa- fabricated um possibly uh, working out the same situation of like uh, telling her the truth about a lie um just so the actress herself can take notes and bring that back into her performance with the rehearsal and core so this first episode i would say is a masterpiece it is the pilot of the show it goes to tell you what everything's about, and it just encapsulates what the rehearsal is perfectly. It is beautiful from top to bottom execution. There's even like a, I would say maybe twist ending, and it is it had me in stitches. I was busting up. Yeah, it was really like exactly an alternative ending that they, I guess they chose instead of the true ending. It is so damn funny it's so subtle so funny and like some people that i talked to that watched it didn't even realize yeah, what it was i i watched it myself the first episode myself and i like i questioned myself at the end like did that just happen and i rewatched it with abby and then i was like it was absolutely hilarious when i like oh i did see that 
that is what I just saw. Hilarious. And it's like, it's like literally like the ending credits roll and it's, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. The first episode is a perfect episode of television. Yeah. I would, I would, that, that first episode of the rehearsal, I would probably give like close to 99, 98. Like it's just, easily. it is just super well paced. It sells the show. It's one of the best pilots I've ever seen. You completely understand what's happening. Like almost like five minutes in, you you understand what's going on. And then he builds upon that scale almost, you know, two to three times. And you just instantly get like completely enthralled. So the reason why we're talking so long about this first episode is because there's another five episodes. I think it's a six episode series or season one. And the five episodes do not follow the same, um, I, I guess, the same structure. Uh, you, you kind of, it sells you one thing and it really gets you on board and then it becomes a whole different thing. And it follows a, a woman who's trying to re- like prepare to raise kids. So she wants to rehearse for that. So, I mean, that's simple enough. Maybe we could do like a rehearsal, you know, just one off episode, but then the rest of the series becomes about her and about Nathan and I had to, I talked to Preston when we were at PAX and he thinks the whole thing was scripted. He thinks everything with her was scripted. Even he, now he thinks the first episode was scripted and like not genuine. And so like, just because of like how long everything goes on for, he just thinks the whole thing is ingenuine. And I feel like there's moments where it's obvious it's ingenuine and it's acting. But then I think there's a lot of moments of like honesty. I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell, but the show just falls off really, really hard. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's very hard to tell. I listened to this podcast um, called Jaded Forum, and one of the hosts on that podcast was an intern at Absolutely, um, and he ended up uh, just not like working directly, but indirectly working because he worked for Absolutely. He worked with uh, Nathan on... Um, Nathan for you. And from there, it's like his insight was basically, um, yes, they're real people, but usually Nathan is directly directing them in the scene constantly, um, constantly breaking, constantly, uh, redoing lines. Like he explained it as, uh, Kubrickian as in like Stanley Kubrick, you're, yes, you're, this is acting, but like, you're still a real person and you're still going to um, run it until like, I guess Nathan is satisfied with it. Yeah. But of, I mean, you, you get the sense of how um, uh, neurotic he is throughout the show, through his past shows. Like, so he does the same from the director producer standpoint. And, and that includes like, when a real person says a line, whether they're, it was fed or not, he's like, what do you mean by that? Like, that's like my favorite part of the, of the Nathan character is like he truly is asking somebody like, what do you mean by that? And they're filming a show. Like there's no room for an explanation in a line, but so that's kind of like an in insight, not exactly the direct insight. Um, so I mean, I, I can kind of believe that a lot of it was a guided uh, maybe coached, um, but not exactly like, I still believe that they're real people in real situations. Yeah. 
No, I, I don't know. It, the show falls off really hard. I'm giving it a 79. I think it's very, very good. I just don't think it hits the great threshold. It doesn't hit the standard of excellence that Nathan has established because Nathan for you and how to are both like as series, the whole series front are, to back, front to back or at least 95s for me. Yeah. Front to back are like episode one of the rehearsal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Those shows are as good as episode one of the rehearsal, but I, I would just say, Hey, watch episode one of the rehearsal and then just forget about it. Wait for us to review ep- uh, season two, whenever that comes out. Uh, and then maybe you can jump back on it because literally it's some moments are just insufferable with uh, this woman named Angela. So, well, yeah, you, you really start to hate her, but I think that's the point. I'm sure there's other moments where like, I, I felt like the cringe of it was so high and far behind any level of cringe that I could see in any other television show. And it like, if you like experiencing cringe and watching it, then I would say watch the rest of the season because there's there's two to three moments of of pure like Nathan is insane. Why am I watching this? How did this air? Um, how did HBO approve any of this? This is silly kind of feeling, and I I liked that. So some people might not. Yeah, I I was just made uncomfortable by a lot of the things that Angela <laughs> said, a lot of things she did and said, and then like. Nathan's reaction to them. I don't know. Let's move on. Moving on. Let me talk to you about a little show I watched on Hulu, The Bear. Oh, yeah. Um, is it one season? Uno season. Okay. Um, how many episodes? Classic. Um, this follows a uh, former... He's a former... Pit boss? No, 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 no. Uh, I'm trying to... Cake boss? Cake boss. Um, mm, sous chef? Yeah, like rising chef of the of the world. Okay. Like he, he's described as the best chef in the world at a, at a in a period of time. Um, he uh, ends up taking a job back home, um, supporting uh, his brother's restaurant um, as his brother recent, recently passed away from... Uh, suicide. Okay. This is uh, Carmen, aka Carmi, uh, played by Jeremy Allen White from um, one of my girlfriend's favorite show um, that I'm also forgetting the name of. Ooh, Abby Elliott is in this freaking show? <laughs> Shameless. He's from Shameless. Oh, he is from Shameless. He plays yeah. like the, the older brother. The older bro. He plays the younger bro here. Ooh, Lionel's in the show. Lionel is in the show, and he does he does a, like a really good job. That's probably good. not probably not as good as Taco Bennett and Dave. Yeah, Taco's crazy and Dave. Taco's great, but as far as like uh, comparing the two roles for him, this being his debut, incredible. Does a great job. He plays the um, I guess you could say the pastry chef. Um, I don't know the the French word for it dessert chef mm-hmm. um of the restaurant and he's like he's like really uh intensely uh passionate about making donuts um through the season i i just i liked his passion um i'm also a fan of donuts and getting that perfect donut is really like um as a consumer of donuts would be a, a great passion of mine as well um but i think also this uh it's produced by Maddie Matheson, 
Um, yeah, Maddie's wild, bro. Maddie, Maddie's the dude. I mean, he's the bro. He, he's all tatted up too. He's um, if you watched a lot of his uh internet shows, um, he's almost insufferable, <laughs> which is I think is a good place to be at when you're doing like crazy online cooking shows. Right. And, I think he's just high strung. Yeah. He. I mean, yeah. Just like being a former like uh. Not just a former um, kitchen worker, but like a f- also he's a former a cocaine addict, um, party animal, uh, big big burly man tatted up. Um, he just released a clothing line that I I feel like I might buy some something from a few items. Um, they're kind of expensive, but other than that, the show is great and it it really encapsulates that uh that rush down kitchen feeling of like truly working and being under the stress of working in a restaurant and every, you know, every cook has their own like version of it. And, um, the Pichero is great. The overall message was great. Um, being about, uh, Carmen kind of coming to terms with the loss of his brother. Uh, how was Abby Elliott? Um, she's from SNL and I haven't seen her in anything since SNL and I loved her on SNL. So that's why I'm curious. So she plays his sister. Mm, interesting. Um, she doesn't have a, a big part in the kitchen mm-hmm. of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does, I, I think she's featured in probably like four or five episodes. Um, but she does a great job. She's, she's not a very dynamic character. Just trying to, uh, you know, Carmen being like kind of uh, overworked and filled with anxiety and coming to terms with, you know, his brother and everything like that. She's trying to like be an older sister and keep him uh, level headed, I, I guess I would say. How does this compare with uh, Chef, the the movie? Mm, haven't seen it. So I just watched it um, last month and uh, Scarlett Johansson plays the uh, like the waitress. Mm hmm. Um, and then there's like John Lugasmo, Lugazio. It's, it's interesting. So I, another great Anthony Bourdain quote is, um, you'd like this one is, is Ratatouille is the greatest, uh, interpretation of the restaurant world. Um, that is in cinema is a, is a great Anthony Bourdain quote. Yeah. It's Uh, actually just facts. It's kind of, yeah, it's just factual. It's um, like um, uh, metal, metal gear solid, metal, full metal jacket is the most realistic military representation. Yeah. Ratatouille is the most realistic restaurant. Yeah. Re- just because it's, you have the, um, the central theme is just the passion of food, which every, you know, every true chef and restaurant owner is just, it's, it's a basis on the passion of food and cooking food for others and that's what ratatouille is about so that ends up being the best representation because that's like the main focus it's not like you know uh two waiters at a rush at a wacky crazy restaurant you know what i mean the bear will return for season two wonderful and um my my follow-up question is have you ever met anyone who doesn't like food yeah what do we call those people? Um, they they all do Weight Watchers. Oh, um, all of them. They all. Oh, they all. Uh, they all assign points to their food and what they consume. Um, I think they have a 
some type of unhealthy relationship with food. Whether they like it or they don't. Or they're it's suppressing that um, sort of feeling. S-P-O-R-T-S sports. <laughs> we are talking about sports, baby. This is the most commonly skipped over segment. So if you're listening to this one, you're a real one. NGL, not going to lie. Um, today, I'm, I'm happy to talk to you about. I'm pleased. I am pleasured. I am turned on by the fact oh. that the Seattle Mariners are doing it live. They're doing very well. Um, just for a little bit of lore for you, none of you M's heads out there, Seattle Mariners, uh, you know, they've been in a little bit of a playoff drought. Um, it's like 21 years. So basically ever since I've been able to watch baseball or ever been a fan of the sport, they've never been in the playoffs. And it's also the longest active streak in any professional sport. So what are the worst, what's the worst football team you can think of right now? Off the top of your head, like worst franchise. Right now? Like fran- just franchise, just like what's the worst football franchise? Overall bet, I mean Cleveland's a classic. The Browns made it to the uh, playoffs in two thousand four. Well, give me, give me worst basketball team, like basketball, uh, basketball franchise. It's got to be wow on the spot now. Orlando um, Magic, yeah, yeah. Orlando. Yeah, they they made it to the playoffs more recently than than the Mariners did, for sure. And I, I'm I'm not even kidding you. It has been so long. So the fact that we are so close right now. I think New York's been since the nineties, no? The Knicks? Knicks, yeah. Yes. Knicks specifically. Yes. You know, every every team has has made the playoffs before the Seattle Mariners have. And now we are looking pretty good. I'm not trying to jinx it. Oh boy, you're looking great. I'm not trying to jinx it. I'm I'm seriously not. But <laughs> Do you have any um classic uh baseball like general cleanse rituals um like, like you, you know usually just easy lax <laughs> like uh, you know if there's rituals to give your team luck there's rituals to cleanse of a curse or cleanse of a jinx you don't have any of those yet yeah usually i'll uh i'll get a baseball bat i'll like look down i'll put my nose to the to the the barrel and then I'll put the I'll put the other side on the ground, and I'll spin around, and I spin exactly four times, and then I I, I while I'm doing that I I'm simultaneously yelling, "All hail the Mariners! All hail the Mariners!" Right, and then you stumble to your kitchen counter where there's a a, a pre hole punched uh diet coke for you to shotgun. Y- yep, yep. As I'm as I'm known for, um. So the reason why the Mariners are doing really well this season, it's not the only reason. Uh, we have we have some great pitching. We have some great players. But the American League Rookie of the Year, it hasn't been given out yet, but it's going to be. That's going to be. His name is Julio Rodriguez. All right, everybody. I want you to pick up your pens. Write down this name right now. Julio Rodriguez, number 44, from uh, the Dominican Republic? Puerto Rico? The DR. From Puerto Rico. From PR. Pretty positive. Let's 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 figure this out together. Because I looked at Julio and I did not expect him to have a really thick accent, but he does have a very thick accent. And I was like, well, I mean, your name is Julio Rodriguez, but it is very thick. Um, can we get any J Rods? Dominican Republic. I had it right the first time. Yeah. Um, J Rod. That is what he goes by. 
Oh, so oh. sick, dude. Also, the J Show. J Show. Okay. Um, also, he plays center field because he's so fast. And it's called the No Fly Zone. He holds up the X. No Fly Zone. Nothing coming in here, but that's branding for a rookie. At the start of the season, like five games in, people on the radio are saying he should go back down to the minors. At the start of the season? At the start of the season, how, that he's not how? ready. See, that's what I love about baseball is the commentators. There's there's some big egos in the commentator box. You don't get that like as much as with basketball because they're all like, they're literally basketball commentators are former champions. You know what I mean? Um, whereas like, uh, baseball commentators are like guys who's lived in the city a long time <laughs> and it's uh it's it's pretty hilarious it's pretty hilarious when you're like yeah, yeah this guy he's not that great he's not cut out for the for the m's baby not for the m's i mean he he needs a few years of development and then maybe he can be a secondary but i mean starting them they're crazy so right now he uh, has at, at 467 at bats. He has 126 hits, 23 home runs, a .270 batting average. His slugging is 475, and the, the kid is just—he's a—he's an animal. He was an all-star this year uh, as a rookie. Um, I—I'm I, telling you, he is the real deal. I believe in J-Rod, bro. The real deal. So here's the problem. Why I'll let you know right now why the Mariners haven't made it to the playoffs in, in 20 years. It's because the playoff stipulations for the MLB have been bad. For a long time, they've been bad. Um, because it was basically like you win your division and you're in, and then there's like two wildcard spots. And so there's only three divisions per like league, and so it's really easy not to make it in. Baseball? Hard to watch? You must be joking. What what are you trying to say? You must be goofing. And so here's the reasons why. Um, Houston Astros, they've been good for this entire millennium, especially the past 10 years. Asterisk. So, so they're, Asterisk. Yes, asterisk. So they're one of the main reasons why we haven't been able to make it because they usually win our division, which is the American League West. And then the Texas Rangers were good for a period of time as well. So they were another reason. But right now, as of this recording, we are 77 wins and 59 losses. Uh, as far as where that fits in the wild card in the American League, uh, right now, we are basically neck and neck with the Tampa Bay Rays. And then a game and a half behind is the Toronto Blue Jays. So all three of us are going to make it, as it stands right now, into whatever the wild card gauntlet game is. I think it's just one game. Like it down is there just the, one game, yeah. Down there at the bottom. Um, but then the Baltimore Orioles are three and a half games behind. So not a lot of season left. It looks like our streak may be coming to an end soon. I mean, I don't think anyone's been eliminated there's no E next to anyone's name, but obviously, like the Washington freaking Nationals are 48 not and 88. Going. Yeah, they're not. 88 losses. I think that's. Well, they're 26 and a half games behind. So I think there must be more than 26 games left. Because maybe if they went out and everyone else lost out, then <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You should, you should say eliminated for teams that are like that. But the, this, I mean, this concludes Mariners talk. I'm just, I just wanted to get at people on the radar. So that when they win the World Series this year, that Holden told me that they were going to win the World Series. And then when they're playing the Dodgers in L.A., Holden was at the game. And he caught the like game-winning home run or something like that. I don't know. I don't think anyone catches the game-winning home run. What do you mean? I, I caught it. I'm not going to keep it. 
I mean, I might sell it to the team. I might get a bunch of other stuff signed. Yeah, I might throw. I might bring a sharpie so that I can throw J Rod on it. <laughs> right on it. <laughs> Write your own signature. Yeah. J Rod, I, I was looking at your looking at your signature on your Wikipedia page, and I think it looked like this. So I, it looked I, pretty good. I'll just you know it'll pay us. It'll pay us. I've been to Golden Silver Pawn Shop. <laughs> I know what they do there. Um. So just want to put on people's radar. That's that's it. You know. Thank you for thank you for listening to my my spiel. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste more time than I need to. Uh, but I did go to wasting more time. I did go to a Mariners baseball game in Seattle during their second longest streak ever. So their longest streak ever was 15 games. They made 14 games, and while I went there, I was like win number seven. So gotta oh, be you're in the part of history. Yeah, you're in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. The thickest tide. Speaking of pawn shop owners, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Um, Close enough. Uncut Gems. Um, what 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 sport are you talking about, bro? I didn't uh, I didn't even look. <laughs> it's a, a sports movie. That's a. It's a cop sports. Out. I okay. So I was okay with sports documentaries. Okay, we start there. I was okay with sports. Um, TV series even maybe you know that's like talking about it but a sports a fictionalized sports movie fictionalized sports movie um, based the, on a true story not based on a true story <sighs> but but even better even better uh, alongside acting uh, with uh, Adam Sandler is one Juancho Hernan Gomez rookie of the NBA season Wancho. Um, also including Anthony Edwards. Uh, oh, so they have real like actors who are like b-ball players. Uh, your boy uh, Boban, your giant boy. Majovac. <laughs> Boban. <laughs> Boban's such a... He's a good... He should be pursue acting. He's uh, he's definitely an actor. Yeah, he, he has like maybe two scenes, but the one scene is he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm 28. I'm 28. I'm 28. <laughs> I'm 28. And then, like, you know, the classic, like, his son walks up with a mustache. It's like, how old is he? 13. He's 13. <laughs> um, but it features, a like, a ton, a ton of actual players, and they're seen playing, like, actual, playing actual basketball. And he's the coach, right? So, uh, Adam Sandler plays uh, Stanley Sugarman. Okay. Um, is this now? Is this a school of rock? Is this like? Is no, this no, like no, they no. need they need a coach and no, then no, no, it's no. like nah, I'm not gonna be the no, coach. No. He he plays a talent scout for the uh, 76ers. Whoa, F- um, Philadelphia. That's his. That's his place. It's Philly. Um, Philly kid. Uh, the uh, he is sent out uh, basically to find the last piece of the team before the end. Uh, the end of the uh, draft. Um, before the draft deadline, um, basically to earn his seat as a coach on the 76ers. This is is his true dream. Um, Here he goes, he's just traveling the world as as the talent scouts do, and he finds uh, young Bo Cruz um, taking people's money in some street ball. And from there, uh, it extends on into... uh, just attempting to get Bo Cruz noticed by the NBA and by the 76ers. Interesting. Um, I just wanted to feature it because it's probably one of the better 
uh, sports, fictional sports movies I've seen in the last 10, 15. There's a lot of duds, so I don't blame yeah, it's you. A, it's a very duddy genre. It's a very duddy, wuddy, diddy genre. But uh, once again, um, Adam Sandler proving that he can like legit act and um, is purely uh, money grabbing anytime you see his name on a comedy. Right. Um, at this point. At this point, it's it's purely just to uh, make a big buck so he can actually like do other stuff that he likes. Because obviously, everyone knows Adam Sandler's like clearly passionate about basketball. Yes. Um, always seen pickup games. Yeah, and then always, uh, obviously, using actors that are like current NBA players is kind of exciting to see, or at least seeing current NBA players on screen in a movie playing themselves. We're playing basketball. Go ahead and give us your rating for that one. Um, we're gonna drop the old, uh, the old, the big, the young, eighty-four. That makes it probably a top five Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, for sure. Because just, just because there's so much uh, other stuff that's not worth watching at all. And I would say even like some of his best stuff is like seventy-five, seventy-seven, like good movies, but like clearly like haven't aged like, well or whatnot. Yeah, if you do like. Uncut Gems, um, what's it, Seven, the animated movie? Seven Crazy Nights, Eight Crazy Nights? Eight Crazy Nights. It's based off of Hanukkah. Uh, I mean, that's just a good animated film. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Anger Management. Anger Management. Punch Drunk Love. Punch, punch Drunk Love. And then probably this. There's one more. I mean... I mean, I like Billy Madison and I Billy like, Madison, but, but but those are like seventies. Like same thing with like, um, Big, Big Daddy. Daddy. That's like seventy five. They're only kind of they're barely good good enough. Yeah, they're they're good movies, but not great movies. Yeah. Like, like I I I mean, I like Happy Gilmore, but I wouldn't. I mean, put that as an eighty. Like that's like a. Yeah, it's just. Oh, I I just thought of uh, was where's he's in a bubble. That's John Travolta. <laughs> uh, somebody knows it. I that's wa- that's I Jake Gyllenhaal. No, it's not Jake Gyllenhaal. The, well, the Bubble Boy. There's there was an original and then there was a sequel. Little um, Little Nicky was what you're thinking Lil of. Little Nicky. Yeah, yeah, that awful one, movie. Yeah, so that's like a 35. Yeah, terrible, terrible movie. And he talks out his mouth like this the whole it. time. So I think he's putting on his best Drew Barrymore impression. Yeah, because when I do my Drew Barrymore, I'm kind of doing that too with my face. It's just it's just a little bit of a change. I go from little Nicky down to Drew Barrymore and back up to it. Stanley Sugarman is a very in depth character. He has a lot of his his wife is Queen Latifah. Oh, you're still going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, that's good for him, man. I'm happy for him. Look, we got th- we got thirty seconds left. I'll use this time to give 93 as my rating for the Mariner season right now. I'm on a high. I'm, I literally have watched so many games. I'm not trying to overtake your sports time to talk about the Mariners some more, but like if you, if you DM me, I will like, if we want to talk about Robbie Ray, if we want to talk about the pitcher, Robbie Ray, like if you want to talk about like George Kirby or like, like a young Logan, like I, if you want to talk about um, Swaggerty, that's literally one of the nicknames of one of the players on the team, Ham Swaggerty. Not Sam Haggerty, Ham Swaggerty. If you want to talk to me about that, just at how to waste your at gmail.com. <laughs> if we are going back, I'll give Bear a 90. Oh, 
You didn't rate the bear? <laughs> no. I didn't. What the hell is going on with the ratings? This episode's you all messed up. We gotta, we gotta rewind it. Well, actually, we're all caught up now. Yeah, we're all caught up. Next topic. America! All right, my guy. My guy. We're talking about anime. That's what that cue was. Did you hear it? I heard it. What was it? What what fictional I, sound am I hearing in my head now? I want. Uh, uh, I hope you're trolling because I've told you that we've done I this know, bit. We've literally done this bit before on on anime. It's the bit where I don't know what it is, but I like choose something just as ridiculous. Okay, what, what then? What was it? It's just I want a, swords clashing. Ching ching cling ching. ching. Yeah, that's anime for sure. That's iconic anime. All right, Odd Taxi. Does that mean anything to you? Odd Taxi. Um. I, for some reason, a red line popped in my head. Mm, no, wrong. <laughs> so, Odd Taxi, I would say, is a, a show about a anthropomorphic walrus. Um, it's a world full of like anthropomorphic animals. Everybody stands on their own two feet. Everyone is very human-like. And um, it is just about a taxi driver. He drives different people in his town and... He gets mixed up in different things, and it becomes not like a cute, furry anime. You know, it's not. We're not watching Beastars here. It is like legit. Like it is just humans, but they're animals instead. And it's funny to see like how their animal portrayal kind of represents them in a way. Um, like the person who is like the lamb is kind of seen as more innocent from the outside. Or the person who's seen as the gorilla is like seen as like a bigger, you know, more of a presence. And um, there's a reason for all of this. But I must say, Odd Taxi is a masterpiece of an anime. It encapsulates so many different things about mm. a, a mundane situation of just being a taxi car driver. And a lot of it is conversational. But it is just so peculiar with the way that the story unravels and one of the best parts is a i think he's a porcupine but there's a character who only speaks in rapping he's one of like the like killer Killer b yes except i think it's done a lot better because he's one of the antagonists and he's like on, on like the mob side and so when you first meet him, you don't realize this is what he is, but it's like, he's got a very certain flow and cadence and like background track whenever he talks. And then like, whenever like he goes in and out of conversation, it all, it all rhymes and flows. And it's in his rap style is like it, the, the voice, the Japanese voice actor they have playing him is like really succinct and doesn't sound like a rapper. And so that's what makes it interesting is he's not, he's not trying to go for a flow like this. It's not like all of in your face and embrace of It's more like, Ding and the lock and the talk like this. Do from the place and back and forth. Mm. And I think that makes it like that is such an interesting character in, in his own right. And that's just a, such a small part to the overwhelming like the story. But uh, so you're saying Zootopia, but a little bit more localized <laughs> and a little bit more day to day life. I, I would say it, it really. I think if if it, if it's Utopia is your point of reference for like anthropomorphic animals, I'd say you're in for a rude awakening because <laughs> because it is like it is very very different like in the way that it portrays like 
humans and the crime and, and different things. And like, even like police, what animal would you fit into in this world? In this world, man, I think, I think a giraffe probably would just make the most sense. I mean, people love care primary to that anyways. He, he gave me a face like that. What? That was a, was a softball pitch. Did I have done something more? Yeah. You gotta think of yourself a little higher, man. You gotta think it, what is your, is your character qualities that you're tall? No, I, I'm just saying like a giraffe is more like a, like a, you know, chewing off the top branch, you know, like I enter into the taxi and I'm like, mm, yeah, just take me down the street. Mm, it's been a good day. Mm, you know, I'm been enjoying my time. Nobody, you know, barely any predators threaten in my life. Only a few that can are uh, much interested in lower level predators. So the main character's name is Atakawa. And he he's this walrus, and he's he's very fascinating. Like his decisions, his like thought process, and just as a taxi driver, like why he's a taxi driver, what his background is. Um, there's like moments in the show that remind me of like Psychopaths with like the detective work. Um, mm. There's like an idol group that like is like a main part of the story, and it's like what s- animals are in the idol group. What animals like, um, like cute dogs, like poodle, oh, yeah, and, like a, and like a cat, I like that, like a, like a black cat, I like that, yeah, they're very fun. And their manager is like a big Shiba Inu, that makes sense. Um, very business oriented, uh, breed of dog, yes. One of the main bad guys is like a chimpanzee, I can see that. It, it is a Super, super interesting story. Super interesting. There's one episode that's like dedicated to like one of these like characters' motivations. Like it diverts from the main storyline. It just goes through the motivation of one character. It it's just 13 episodes. It's really quick. I would heavily recommend it to anyone that like wants an anime off the beaten path that isn't just an action shonen. Actually, it's like a thoughtful story. Really tight writing. I'm giving it a 91. Like I said, it's a masterpiece. It's it's really it's recent. It's it's from last year. I was just on my backlog, and I was like, oh, I have a, kind of a down period. I, I need to watch Spy X Family, Spy X Family. Um, and then I also need to watch Made in the Abyss, too. So I've got some ones that are my, on my watch list, but this is one that I just wanted to take the time to watch because I knew I'd love it. I didn't know I'd love it this much, but I love it. 91, absolute masterpiece. Nice, dude. What AMA you got for me? I've featured Lupin, the Netflix original. Um, but today, it's time to bring it back. To Lupin the Third, Castle of Cagliostro, 1979 classic. Wow, I couldn't do that. That's up your brave soul. Um, I think I just like cell animated, you know. Um, spoiler: I'm listening. I'm watching um, uh, the show Initial D for the medium of the month, and there is something kind of relaxing about watching. But that's like late 90s. There is something for me. I didn't. I'd never watch anime in the seventies, obviously, because I wasn't alive during the area, and I never, I never watched. I never went back to watch anime either. So mm. there's, I, I have a disconnect between anime from that era. Well, um, me also just uh, hating myself enough to like, go through um, the Lupin loophole, um, which is there's like something like six hundred episodes, forty movies. And forty, uh, so like forty-one movies. Wow. Um. So I mean, it's and it's been described as most of it is just okay. 
Right. Um, and how how deep do you want to go? I don't know. I'm watching Lupin Part Six right now, so maybe that'll make an appearance next month if hmm. I, if I feel good enough about it. Sure. Um, which Lupin Part Six is the fiftieth anniversary, which aired this year, um, back in July, I think. Um, but today we're here to talk about Castle of Cagliostro, um, which is uh, co-written by Hayao Miyazaki, and it's it's as far as the movies go, it is listed as uh, most people's favorite Lupin movie. Um, just as uh, because you know Miyazaki uh, is a name you could throw on there and instantly become a classic. Um, this one, it uh, follows Lupin, who's uh, rescuing, I guess you can say, uh, a treasure from a evil, uh, it's it's almost like this uh, evil man, think of like the Vatican, it's a, it's a city-state within another country, um, and it's uh, Cagliostro, the man, he's, he's the uh, leader of the city-state, um, and I guess he has this, uh, he, there's a generational treasure that he's guarding, um, and also, uh, wrongly kind of forcibly, uh, trying to get married to this young lady bride is the, the basis of this one. Okay. Um, I guess uh, for, for, uh, the first basis, I want to touch on what makes a good Lupin. Because there's so many. Because there is just infinite amounts. So if you can find one. Uh, uh, the checklist would be features all characters. So I'd be Lupin, Goemon, uh, Jigen, Fujiko, and Zenigata. If if they treat all of those characters with respect, um, they all have their own tropes. Uh, you know, somebody uh, uh, Goemon loses his sword. Uh, Fujiko tricks somebody with her sexuality. Zenyatta loses Lupin. If you you can include those tropes, you just have to treat the characters with respect. That makes it a good Lupin. Um, after that, the whatever the series is, movie or series, it needs a a a good car chase, good action. Okay. Um, I think if you're doing those two things right, and and making the movie an absolute spectacle, and uh, including some like a actual like decent side characters that aren't just like silly. Um, which I believe this one has the, the count of castle castle Cagliostro. He's, he's a very just silly, annoying, you know, basic evil dictator. Um, all, all his guards are weird and fake knights, I guess you can say. Um, other than that, uh, Jigen and Goemon aren't really featured in this movie. Um, you you know where they're at and you know what they're doing, but you don't see any of it, which is uh, unfortunate. They're probably my two favorite characters. Wait, so this is a movie? Am I my vision been sleeping? You're sleeping a little bit. This is a movie. Okay. And how long was the movie? Like two hours? <laughs> how long was the movie? Um, that's a good question. Brother. I'll figure it out for you. <laughs> Basically, uh, Castle of Cagliostro is uh, getting the the good old fat eighty. It's still a, a Miyazaki, and it's still uh, good to look at. Oh, it's Hayao Miyazaki. 
<laughs> have I really just been sleeping? Absolutely sleeping. I'm. I, I should have. I feel like I should have had a reaction when you said it's a Hayao Miyazaki film. Yes, co-written by. Co-written by and directed by. Yes. Um. The film. So, re- so reread the Wikipedia of what I've been explaining to you. <laughs> an hour and 42 minutes. That's that's what I wanted to get that's to. It's a decent runtime. Yeah, that's a good runtime for an animated. Um, also, the, the setting matters a lot in Lupin because you have to uh, do something special with the setting. Um, this one being some uh, odd fear, uh, foreign European country, it's not specific, um, does do a lot with the setting. It's very pretty. Um, the... Uh, the uh, the generational treasure is hidden somewhere in the land in the area. Um, and then also, uh, other than that, the, the story is kind of meh. It's more of just a, a Lupin chase scene. Lupin does his Lupin thing. And I think that's part of the, uh, genre in general. Right. The appeal of the, of the whole show. Um, other than that, it's, it's just a, it's a solid show, solid movie. Yeah, the the Grady eighty. Um, I I th- I don't think it was you necessarily. I think I just lost interest when you started talking about Lupin. I just I, there's something about. I think it used character names that I just like. If you went on about One Piece, I feel like it'd be the same thing for me. Like I know a lot of the characters from One Piece, but I still would be uh, like, I mean, it's very similar in the sense of like there's so much to consume, right? That it's just daunting. Yeah, and I, I really. It's not like. Uh, like a Naruto thing where I like, oh, I wanted to rewatch the whole thing just to get the feelings back. Really, it's like, oh, I want to find what's like actually good from Lupin and 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 pick it out and kind of present it that way. Have you ever played a video game before? I have not. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, I played Thirty while at Pax West, but. That's going to be for another podcast that I record on the Level Zero uh, <laughs> network. So go ahead and... List all 30 for me, Olden. Um, I'd rather not. <laughs> it won't mean anything. It'll just be words. Uh, but I will tell you about one specific game. And I'm going to be talking about Stray. Stray features a cat. And if you had to say, are you a dog person or a cat person? Definitely a dog person. I do like cats. I'm not like a... Uh, a one or the other type of guy. I like. I respect both animals, but I think I'm just more like a dog energy, like go outside and do something type of person. Yeah, I think at one point I was like you, but I'm think I'm becoming a cat person. You think so? I I'm a. I've always been a dog person my whole life. I've said dogs rule, cats rule. Now, I'm ready to get rid of one of my dogs and replace it with a cat. Is this because Who's of stray? On- Who's on the chopping block, man? It's Blitz for sure. Uh, <laughs> he's he's not a family dog. Oh, dude. He's, not Blitz. Yeah, he's ready to. He's a he's, menace. He's ready to leave. He's he, ready to good. go. Good. Yeah. Good. I'm ready. To, I, I, get I'm that, ready. I get that energy from him. He's like, I've been here a while. Time to move on. Okay, I'm ready to move on with him. I'm, I'm happy with our time we spent together. I'm not very happy with it. Um, Stray might, might have made me a cat person. I've I've looked at cats. You've looked at the back of a cat the entire time in third person. And I've looked at different breeds of cats that I think I want. Interesting. There, what are we thinking? Two two breeds that I'm really looking at. One more realistic than the other. The realistic one, a Russian blue. A Russian blue. That's a short hair? Uh, yeah. 
but these both these cats are hypoallergenic cats, so they're like gotcha. shed very low da- low dander level. Yes, and very very light amount of shedding. So not like I'm not adding to the floor like a ton. Like Paisley sheds, but very lightly. So like most of the hair is like blitz. Yeah, I got that golden retriever dog, bro. It's um, everywhere. I'm sure. You 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 sweep twice a day. Yeah, and still it's hairy. Um, so Russian blue. I like I like the okay. I like the shape of the cat. Like the long tail. You forgive me, I don't know. I cat breeds off the top of my head. I'm not sure what it looks like. You have a phone. You can Google it right now. Uh, Russian blue, and then the other cat is a. Um, it is just a. Uh, I think it's a Bengal cat. I think that's what they call it. It's just a little kitty. It's, I do know what a Bengal looks like. Yeah, it's not a full like massive like Bengal tiger, but like it's a little kitty. It's also hypoallergenic, low dandruff, low dander, low uh, low maintenance. Um, both those cats are pretty expensive. Um, but I'm, I'm, I mean, stray is a game where you play as a cat and it's in a like post-apocalyptic world and you only interact with other robots and it's a delight. Um, just being a cat, just jumping place to place. It's not even really a platforming game. I say it's just an adventure game. Yeah. I would, I would classify it as that. Did um, you beat it? No, I've only played a few hours of it. I got mm-hmm. to the uh, man in the tree. Um, just to give you a, a, he's meditating in the tree. He's jack, he's jacked in. He's got all the screens around him. Gotcha. Um, I forget his name, but he's one of the he's one of the authors of one of the journals. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've climbed the the tree house and yes, yes. Uh, and I and I love I love the robot world that the mm-hmm. the game takes place mm-hmm. in, and and a lot of the game is uh trade quests, and I love trade quests. That's, yeah. That's one of my favorite things is like you collect this and then you can trade it for that. And you, oh, that, you, trade, it, you trade it for that. That guy that, um, the, the robot that has the guitar in the first world. Mm-hmm. I was, I was searching for music, bro. Yeah. Let me hear your fresh beats. Yeah. I Absolutely. Just, just sitting there with a the guitar and he's like, I, I know how to play music. I don't have any music to play. And I was like, oh, bro, that's so sad. I'm going to find start, you. Yeah. I got you, bro. I'm going to find you some, some, uh, Betamax tapes or something, whatever yeah. whatever system you got it on, bro. For sure, no, I, and I, I there's so many cool things about the aesthetic. It is a very simple game. It's a short game. I think it's like five hours. It took me to beat the whole thing. Oh, I've got to be nearly halfway through. Then. Yeah, yeah, what you're describing. Yeah, I think that's about halfway, a little over halfway actually. Um, that there's a few different worlds. The first one, people say the first one's the best one. I would disagree. I think the first one there's the most you can do in like the first little area. But the tree area is really cool. I like I like that it's like a, a almost like a built on a tree. It reminds me a lot of Arcane. Um, there's like a where like Echo is. He's got like a whole like treehouse type like city that's built on yeah. along a tree. I only have basis of the first world, um, and it's it's like I liked it, um, but like you said, like it it's mainly there to like teach you and progress you. I feel yes. like you don't you don't really there's not a lot of yes there's characters that you meet in there and you obviously like have trade quests with them but like it's not very deep I mean you're just finding things and it's almost like you get the like story required quest out of the way and then you move on like yeah. you're gone, you're gone from there and that's how I felt about it I mean it was still nice I think it was very pretty it was, it was cool just like a weird little underground city of the uh 
the monk guy that like protected the door. Yeah, the guardian. Yeah, he was great. Um, there's like a good like father son storyline. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was great. It was, it was nice to um, uh, bring that to a head. You know, that feel like the son was a little uh, he was a little troubled after his uh, father had left, and he gave him some purpose. There's a there's a a guy in like a Hawaiian shirt named Momo. That you, oh, yeah, like, Momo's great. He's a little hermit. I, I imagine he'd be like a, a pirate radio DJ. Um, if he was a, if he if they had some sort of music trade system, radio system. I love the the sounds that the robots make. They make like a mm-hmm. like when it's they're very, upset. It's very analog. Yes. Even though the, they're all digital computer systems walking around, it's still, all the technology still feels very analog. Like right. the screens are tube, tube screens. Like there's not, uh, when you're thinking of a, a world completely populated by technology, it's still very, um, I, I, I guess you could say, uh, post like seventies post-apocalyptic. Um, not a lot of beeps and boops like you expect. Or like a chunky uh, uh, VHS players, like right. like a yes. little crush, a little wind. You hear gears. Yeah, you hear gears and belts. No, no, no beeping and booping. It's 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 sci-fi, but loosely, loosely sci-fi. It's almost like modern day. Besides sci-fi. your uh, floating uh, companion. Yeah, B twelve is great. Yeah, great awesome. buddy. I I mean I'm. I've always been a fan of like a a drum buddy, like uh, pops you, out of your backpack when you need him. Yeah, he 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 reminds me of. Uh, he turns into your, um, I guess, weapon ish type of thing. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great. Um, he reminds me of a BD one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, from uh, JFO, JFO in order. Um. So overall, great game. I'm giving it 85. Um, it's like I said, just an adventure game. There's not like a ton of platforming. There's not like a ton of action or anything. Uh, but it changed my perspective on cats. And for a video game to do that, that's pretty huge. The other feeling it gave me is Half Life. Yeah, for sure. A lot, it, lot of similarities. It's just an adventure. You don't have a. There's puzzles. They're kind of more just like find the right area type of puzzles. Get to the right area. Flip the right switch kind of puzzles. Yeah, I'd I'd rather play Stray again than play Half Life One. Yeah, Half Life sure. Half Life Two definitely a better game. I mean, that's one of the one of the greats. But like, I'd rather play this than Half Life One. I mean, like it's it it nails. Every, I mean, it's like it learned everything from Half Life One and then became its own like entity. Great game. Yeah, Stray is great. What gotta a, finish it up. You, uh, yeah, you're almost there. Uh, what video game you got for the chopping block? Chopping block. Um. Polar opposite of Stray being uh-huh. a, a calm, nice walk through adventure. Um, we have uh, Souls like Metroidvania. And did you uh, download this or did you stream it? This is blasphemous. Um, this is part of uh, our PlayStation uh, PlayStation uh, Giga package. Yeah, it's PlayStation Premium. PlayStation Boost Plus. PlayStation Plus Premium. Plus Premium Ultra. Superstar. Plus. Superstar Galaxy Ultra Premium Plus. Origins. Origins. Um, free download. 
um, Eternal. With the monthly subscription. Yearly? Yearly right now. Yearly right now. Um, Yeah. I mean, just like uh, how much fun and how much I hated myself for playing um, Hollow Knight. Um, Hate myself for playing this as well. Uh, The turn of this is I am much, much, much more in love with the visuals. And um, in in comparison to Hollow Knight. In comparison to Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight being very cutesy and, you know, you're a little guy and he's carrying around a little needle and you you poke things. Um, He's a bug. This is absolute, like, uh, fully down the rabbit hole of blood, gore, guts. Very Dante's Inferno and Inferno. Dante's Inferno. <laughs> Dante's Inferno. Um, uh, very, uh, uh, what's, what's the word when it's like a pseudo religion based type of game? Uh, Catholic, uh, Catholicism, staunch. It's staunch? A, it's a staunch, it's a, it's religious inspired. Yeah, I would say religious inspired. Um, but you're, your classic uh uh dark souls uh premise that the the world is uh uh damned and sinned um so everyone is turned either into demons or is just a um person completely suffering um is every person you meet um you yourself um uh play uh sort of this uh guy who's damned to um basically fight everyone fight the demons um in terms of possibly hoping to cleanse you of your guilt hmm um and is it a roguelite or is it um strictly like a, a side scrolling metroid okay yeah. so, so yeah, more you're it, it's completely you know 16 bit 32 bit mm-hmm. um, yeah in that realm but when you see like the actual like cutscenes and visuals, um, they're they're pretty darn incredible. And I love a game that has uh, uh, menu screen presets. I can just hear you saying that like kind of derogatory line. Like, uh, I love a game that just has that just beats the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. And I, menu presets. <laughs> but um. I, I, the other reason I like it is that I'm like actually good at it. Whereas like nice. Hollow, at Hollow Knight, I was like honestly bad. Um, Yo, I mean that's a really hard it. game. Yeah, that's all. I mean this is I would consider this a hard game as well, but maybe I've just been uh fortunate in my conditioned. In my, yeah, in my run through. Um, there's there's difficulties. There's definitely difficult spots. Um, and the platforming is always. I feel like it's almost like the platforming that gets gets me, you know. Whereas this, I mean, being a Souls like as 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 compared to Hollow Knight, where you're you're you know you're moving from a central location. Mm-hmm. Um, this like you have these little uh, little fountains that you rest rest at basically, and that yeah, makes that's it, that's where you respawn. Yeah, that's where that's where my brain's like, oh, I've I've played through Dark Souls, so it's like I know I can. I just find the path that I can run through to get to the boss and fight the boss. So you're running past enemies when I need to, unless, yeah. unless there's some, there's some enemy enemies that like are legit, like in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you find out how to beat them and you, you can do it over and over and over again after that. What weapon are you using? 
Um, it's just a, so you get, you just get a sword, you get a sword, you get a dash, um, you can charge up the sword. Um, uh, you, you get a, there's a few different ranged options. Um, it's basically all the ranged options are in a spell cast. Um, the one I got equipped right now is you like stomp the ground and then anything touching the ground, it goes, you know, like a little wipe away from you. Um, but other than that, it's, it's really just the visuals. The visuals are a 10 out of 10. Um, um did you finish it? I'm the same thing. I'm probably like five hours in. Okay. Big, big chunk in. Nice. Um, enough to, enough to drop the old 90 on it. Um, almost visuals alone. Cause everyone knows how to play a dark souls, Metroidvania. Um, this one, it's like I could probably get some visuals. Get some. Uh, get some visuals if they're transferred from 16-bit to like a black and gray tattoo. I can easily, uh, I can easily live with that on my body. Wow, that's that's how much you're saying it's a masterpiece. Yeah, let me let me swap over to some, to some visual like easily. Yeah. Very very cool. Very visceral. Very bloody. Very red. And um, and what would uh, how what would be too long for this game to go on? Like right now you're at a ninety, but like if this gone game went on for how many more hours? If there's, if there's like because because I think we agreed Hollow Knight was too long. Yeah, if there's if there's another five hours and the bosses were good and entertaining, then I'm okay because also the version that I've downloaded is with DLC. Okay. So I think if it continues on for another five hours, I would be happy. If it has like another eight hours behind it, or it takes me another eight hours to beat it, I might put it down. That's okay. I mean, I think I'm I'm trying to come into terms with like when I'm done playing a game, I'm done playing it. Like I got what I wanted out of it. I don't need to see the ending. Like w- the ending might may give me some kind of feeling of satisfaction. Like oh, I, I'm I'm actually beat that game. But I'd be okay with when did when did I mentally beat the game? Yes. So that's the other thing. It's a souls game. So you end up, you know, you could spend hours throwing your body at a single boss right? and And not get anywhere, not progress. Right. If you choose to walk away from there, then, you know, some people would say that that was two hours wasted gameplay. Right. If you didn't progress. Um, some people, uh, just like the challenge of fighting a boss, which I'm, I'm, I think I'm part of that crew now. Um, playing all the, you know, being a being a from software fan and being in that souls like genre it's like yeah i can i can successfully throw my body at a at a an enemy for a single enemy for an hour or so main story 13 and a half hours main plus extras 18 and a half right there uh, maybe yeah that's exactly 8 hours more i guess main story for me yeah. to play we'll see we'll see I think I'm fine with that. If the bosses can keep me entertained, then for sure I can finish it. There's a board game out there in the world. It's called Patchwork. And it's a, it's a game about patching things up. Mostly stitching a quilt. Actually, it's just entirely stitching a quilt. You're not really actually patching anything. But I, I like to talk like this when I talk about Patchwork. Uh, it, it brought to you by me, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Drive a Lincoln and drink whiskey while playing patchwork. A wild turkey. 
Wild turkey. Is it wild turkey? Wild turkey. <laughs> That's also very similar to my um, impression of uh, Bill Clinton. <laughs> very similar laughs, in case you didn't notice out there. Yeah, so Patchwork, it's a two-player game. It's a tile-placing game. You have like a grid. It's I would, I would say it's a Tetris-like. If you like Tetris, I think you'll like Patchwork. You, you're drafting tiles from like a ring around the... You create... Mm-hmm. You create a fictional ring around your uh, playboard, and then you have the basically the option to take one of the three next like Tetris tiles, and then you put it on your board. And then you, as you score points, uh, because every tile has like a, a point value and it has a cost, you pay with buttons, and then you receive buttons as passive income based on how many like buttons have you sewed into your quilt. And then at the end of the game, that's negative points for um, how many. Uh, tiles or spots are missing on your playboard. I think we would really like a DRI, honestly. I think just it's just an abstract strategy game, tile placement. It's just whoever has the most buttons in the, the game wins. I think that that's really like where me and you meet, just me and you, one-on-one is the abstract strategy 1v1. Yeah, that's our that's our happy place as a, as a um, best friend friendship. Yeah, there's always like, hey, do you want to play around of this? And then it's like five rounds later, like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty good game. Yeah. We, I think we like this. Yeah, we, we, we elevate each other's abstract strategy world. For sure. Whereas, like, anyone else besides Mancala, you know what I mean? Right. Would be like, oh, yeah, two rounds is good. We're good. You won one, I won one. Let's end it there. Right. Um, Patchwork is cool because there is a lot of different, um, I, uh, I would say, different themes that you could go with with it. So there's a lot of different editions of it. Um, so there's like a Christmas version, there's like a Halloween version because mm-hmm. the art is like infinitely, um, multiple Like you can, you can change it to whatever it, I, I think like Azul actually like changes the gameplay. I think the different editions of patchwork just literally change what, um, mm-hmm. the, the actual Tetris pieces look like, but I got the, that's kind of nice. Yeah. I, I like that. I mean, when you can have a I different mean, skin. Yeah. I think more games should opt into that, honestly, especially abstract strategy where um, what you're looking at is inherently abstract. Reskin it. Make it right. look, charge an extra, maybe a reprinting of it and then just reskin it and then boom, money in the pocket. I think the Christmas version turns the, um the like Christmas. once like, they turn it into like um Christmas presents. So in, ah. in, instead of like actual textile that you're putting, now you're combining like Christmas presents and you're making like a Tetris out of Christmas presents. Yeah, you're, you're uh, providing for your family a beautiful Christmas uh, morning. Um, I, I found this in Seattle at Barnes & Noble for $7. So Oh, easy. Easy, easy pickup. Easy pickup. I was like, oh, this is a game I've been wanting to play for a while. And I played it and I was like, oh, this is, this is great. It's an 81. It was like better than I was expecting. Um, it... I think about it often. Um, just, I honestly like, if you have time to spare, let's get the waste cap for next episode done with after this and play it. Cause it's, it's that quick of it. It's like a I'm 10, done. 15 minute game. Yeah, we say that and then we'll play it for 45 minutes. I'm just <laughs> theoretically in theory, the, in theory, in theory. Yeah. Maybe Very. I'll, maybe I'll scroll through Amazon while and maybe try to find a different skin. Yeah. Like I said, because yeah, 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 the base skin is not it, the great base skin is not great, but I would I I would like to uh, take maybe, a look at 
look at what all of the options are. Ooh, this is a good one. The Halloween edition. It turns the button. Oh. Come bu- on, bro. It turns the button currency into eyeballs. Come on, dude. That's I'm a Halloween guy. That's pretty good. I might just I might just have to And it says for the bottom on the bottom for two ghouls. Oh. So you have two players. Hey, this is this is this is your pitch to your wife. Hey babe, look, they have a it's patchwork. They have a but they have a Halloween version. We could put it out on the table and like maybe, you know, someone might wanna you know, pick it up, maybe. But it's themed, you know? It's a theme we got going on. Halloween. Eyeballs, honey. Eyeballs, honey. And like some of them have like goose like goose ghosts and like little like bats and like little like purple Look. and orange. Look. I mean I know we already have the game, honey, but it's how like we can just get rid of this version. Well, I can give it away or something. I can trade it. Trade it. Speaking of which, uh for all you board game aficionados out there, I just found a Reddit for people who want to Oh, trade. You want to trade. And oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's pretty simple. I've already, I posted my first one today. Um, and I've already gotten several hits. Several? Uh, yes. Hey, what you got? What you trading? What you got? Yes. A lot of that. What do you got? Yeah. What do you got to trade? Why? Well, I mean, I, no, is this still available? Still available. <laughs> so it's called Board Game Exchange. That's a subreddit. And then um, if you're looking for something that's new in stock nis or sorry new in shrink nis mm. um i like that i like that term um is there a is there a rating system for your other redditors you have like a like because other trading sites i see or like uh people will have on their like their uh their nicknames like uh uh good like verified or like good trader um and like it's all assigned by mods you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so if you like i imagine if you return a board game uh with that's like dinked up and uh crummy and like missing pieces i imagine you get a bad rating yeah i i'm I'm not entirely sure but they said it does say to avoid dealing with banned users, do not deal with anyone unless they can leave a visible comment on your thread. Okay, so, <laughs> fair enough. So that's that's where I'm at with that. But yeah, so Patrick, good, good game, eighty-one. Grady one. Time to clear out the cobwebs of our uh, backstock. Um, backstock. We've played uh, Cuphead one time months ago. Cuphead, the board game. Capetto. Capetto. Um as some say. Just to uh fresh my own memory, um reading from the Wikipedia. Um from the popular Cuphead video game. Did you know there's a Cuphead video game as well? Um I've heard of it. Are you gonna play the DLC together? Uh I I was looking at buying the DLC, like a two for because I want to play as Miss Chalice. Because I hear that's easy mode. Easy easy mode. Is co-op is co-op online? I think it's still couch co-op. Probably. Yeah. Have you have you bought the DLC or played it? No. I haven't watched anything on it because I want to stay. I've seen Miss Chalos play. That's it. Your hair is so long. It's incredibly long. uh, But here we're talking about Cuphead, the board game, the original cooperative dice game where players must roll dice to defeat iconic bosses, featuring the classic hand-drawn 1930s art style. 
that it's facts. It, it it does look like the game. Um, the Wikipedia also says it comes with custom art. What was the custom art that came with your box? Um, I don't I don't think it's every box is different. I think it's just custom art that's made for the. Yeah, for the game itself. Are you being facetious? Uh, maybe I'm trying to add some spice into this conversation. I'm sorry. I'm res- <laughs> I'm I'm responding to people who are interested in in trading board games. <laughs> You're gonna have to just carry this one for hey, me. This is your show now, buddy. This is yours. I'm uh, right now. I'm I'm writing. Uh, no, they did not change anything. Um. So basically, uh, you roll dice to f- defeat Cuphead bosses. Um. The most appealing part, uh, for probably me and you, is that it's a single uh story run through so we can you can pick up and pause at any time and you know pick up on the boss you left off on um probably abigail's worst nightmare is to save a board game and uh attempt to pick it up later but you know that's her prerogative right i don't i don't blame also um the other uh i guess downside we had with this game is how difficult it is um just because uh you know, we're not very far yet. No, none of us really had any significant power ups, or you know, health ups, or uh, hearts added to our health bars. And you only get what was it, fifteen seconds to roll your dice, and hopefully you have enough to uh, do damage and not get smacked. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. They want it to be like a real time because it's like in the actual game, you're like running and gunning and shooting. So they wanted to kind of. Um, put like, the pressure on put you. Put the pressure, dodging and parrying. You, they want you to feel like you're playing the real game. Yeah. Uh, so they don't want to make it like a a turn based RPG. You know, that's kind of the antithesis of what Cuphead actually is. Right. And you know, each turn, um, each player has their own set of dice, and there's just symbols on the dice, um, and you're rolling to match the symbols that are on the boss card, um, which basically, uh determines whether or not you do damage or not or take damage or gain health or dodge and uh, survive um so you have 15 seconds to match uh four dice in each roll (laughs) so i think we bumped i think we got all the way up to like 25 seconds we didn't break the 30 second uh a threshold yet but i imagine there's uh, some group of players that might want 30 seconds to match as many dice as again because it ends up being pretty difficult i mean 15 seconds is like four dice throws yeah and when you like are trying to like pick pick out not just like get a good in general roll you're trying you you remove a dice that you want to match to uh the boss card so then you have less dice to play with and you can see where you're going with it um it ends up getting quite difficult when you need a single symbol left and you have a single dice in your hand. Yeah. It just becomes like stressful at that point. Like I, I, this is one of the games I'm, I have on my trade block because I, or I, I mean, I think I said I wanted to trade it and then Steph was like, no, I like that. I don't know. I, I'm not going to be pushing to play it. I think it just, it's, yeah, it looks beautiful. It's yeah. It's great looking, great theme. Like the boss decks are a great idea. There's so many different things that are like cool. Cool representation. Yeah. It's just the actual gameplay, along with using the app to like be your timer. Oh right, I forgot it had an app that like had like nice little music for you. Yeah, it had like music from the game. I don't know. It's just it's just corny. 
I mean, this happens with licensed stuff all the time. It just sucks that the production value is so good for it that you wouldn't yeah. think it's like bogged down by being a licensed board game, but it unfortunately it is. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of where we're both at with it. Uh, I'll give it a seventy-five. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm probably gonna give it a sixty-nine. Um, because I think it's almost a good game. It just has too many things holding it back. But I think I it's fun. Like I had a good time. I just wouldn't call it a good game. Yeah, it, it it's very a hard pitch to like not just play it once, but to play it again. And the idea of the whole game is that you play through it over and over with the same party trying to go through all the bosses of Cuphead. So whole little, like you said, little bogged down, little chains on your back holding you from, you know, running at the full sprint that uh, a fast-paced dice game could be. Right. We're here. That part of the show again. Um, where we talk about uh, comic books. And this comic book is actually, um, I said I wouldn't do this to you guys, but we're doing it again. Um, it is a Kickstarter. Um, it is one that I actually didn't receive. So I was like, what happened? So I reached is, out to is this a Is this a Kickstarter nightmare? This is a, this is a Kickstarter's worst nightmare. Where, hold on, if my wife, if you're listening to this, um, just skip forward 30 seconds. Um, so I, I guess I just lost track of, I mean, the, they sent updates and stuff, but I, I didn't, I'm like, why haven't I, like, what's going on? Why haven't, why haven't, and then I looked in the comments and they're like, oh, I received mine, I received mine. And this was like two months ago, two months before, like I even like looked at it. I was like, oh, like, why haven't I received mine? And I tried looking for the survey, couldn't find it anywhere. And I just like. I was like, hey, I'm went, backer. Went MIA, and then there's, like, uh, nothing else he can do at this point because the they're done <laughs> making new ones. Yeah. Uh, well, thankfully, they had one in stock still. They were still, oh. They're still selling it. Um, they're they're Ardledge Comics. They're still um, doing, selling the, 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 the comic. It's, so, so, you, so you read the digital copy that they gave you for download? No. They, they, I think they, I could have, but they actually did send me a copy. So oh, wonderful. Name of the comic is No Going Back. Um, it reads almost more like a manga. It's black and white. Um, it takes place in a world that is, I would say is like similar to the cross between like Walking Dead and The Giver and Midsummer. It's it's very weird. It's um it's a isolated town. I would almost say it's like Promised Neverland as well. It's an isolated like city where everything's like a utopia. And you have your like cult like leaders and who make the decisions for the town and basically you don't leave the walls. Everything is like farmed locally. Everything is within the walls of the city because everything on the outside is like bad and evil people are out there who are ready to kill you and the walls protect you. So it's about this girl who actually leaves, um, and I guess it's it's supposed to be kind of post apocalyptic. She leaves and that she lives on her own and there's no going back because she knows that if she goes back either they're gonna kill her or kill her family. Um, so it's a little bit of adventure. It's pretty, sh- pretty quick. Um, she meets other people outside the walls and like interacts with them, people around her age, people not around her age and like, what is the life like out there? She lives for a long time on her own. I, I love myself a good survival story. Mm. Um, but it's, it's fairly simple. It's just beautiful art. Um, 
I, I, I backed it because it was like something that I thought I would really enjoy. Cause again, anything that, anything that takes the idea of the giver of like a utopia where like you are ignorant to the truth. Yeah. That's like, that's like our basis. Cause it was required reading in high school. Absolutely. I'm sure it's been done like better. And before that, but the giver, yeah, yeah. the giver is something I just draw back to so much in my life. I'm like, Oh, this runs the giver. This runs the giver because I like that idea of like a utopia yeah. of ignorance. Um, just because we don't live in that. It's like the opposite of what we live in right now. We have all the information in the world. Anything we want to know, we can learn immediately. And it's a, it's a, not a utopia. And it's, <laughs> it's not a utopia. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, people think you, actual utopias are bad too. So whatever. Um, you'll be, yes, we currently live in a dystopia. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to see like what problems arise from a utopia and like what, mm-hmm. what yeah, of course, even, even in a fictional standpoint. So, I really like that about this storyline. I love a good survival story. I love um, uh, post-apocalyptic type stuff. So, so many different things hit for me here. It, and it's it's concise. It's, it has brevity. I think it's like a, maybe 120 pages of comics, which is not a ton. Um, but I, I usually always try to make sure it's above 100 because I feel like less than 100 is too short of a, of a comic book or like a whole series. But it, it's contained. I, I give the, um, the comic an 85. I think it's great. Uh, once again, it's no going back. At least uh, do yourself a favor, check out the art of it. Just to, just take a look at it. Um, I think it's done by a Frenchman. He's he's really talented. Um, but no going back. What what are we going back to in your comic book world? It's interesting um, when we do this. Uh, have loosely uh, similar titles for things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going back to I'm not going backwards i'm going to the horizon bring me bring, bring me there me to the horizon um so like i said very similar similar themes um as in post apocalyptic survival adventure um this is from the eyes of a small child okay um well, the main protagonist in no way back is also young um, I'm, I'm thinking more around the nine to 10 range. Okay. She's probably like 12, 13. Okay. So yeah, li- literally bro, we're right, right near each other. We're in sync and we didn't even know it. Um, the, uh, where we're going to separate, uh, is that this is, it's censored. I would call it censored. There's not a lot of blood, like red blood. Um, but it's it's highly graphic at the same time um as far as like fields of bodies um war explosions mm. uh people that are starving to death um babies possibly that are starving to death uh off-screen deaths is how i would probably is the last kind of like uh saving grace you kind of get from it um what uh classically uh draws D Ray in is just getting a TikTok of the art. Um uh pretty pretty basic uh B of me. Um but uh just to give you uh I found out that now I can uh, uh just save panels from uh save panels of manga pages and um they're in my phone forever. So just to give you a kind of look at what it wow. is um, that, that reminds me of like uh a rolled doll like 
Yeah, it's very um landscape. There's detail, but it's also kind of just uh your classic manga look to it. Interesting. As far yeah, as like those... the characters with big eyes and choppy hair. Those are scary um, eyes. Little little sag, you know, little sag in the face. Sad eyes. Um but then you also have like deep uh gore themes to it as well mm. as far as far as like like I said, like bodies in the field and um explosions going off killing people's parents in front of them um reminds me of uh one of the first comics we reviewed which is like the beautiful inside the mm. kind of like cute but also like deeply like where they're li- they're living inside that uh decaying corpse yeah very uh this at least has a uh i'm i i want to believe that there's going to be some type of uh setting exposition but I haven't got it yet. It really does start off with a bang. And um, the boy you follow is traumatized. And to uh, deal with that trauma, he decides to walk to the horizon um, and basically uh, live a life of survival, but for no purpose. Um, The only purpose is just to survive. Until he meets a little girl of the same age. Interesting. Um, and then, as I showed you, he's he's posted up with her in the AK. Um, and they're little child survivors just hoping for a better world walking towards the horizon. Um, is it many volumes or did you finish it? Um, I believe, I'm not sure how long it is. I'm 15 chapters in. Okay. And I haven't got like a big story exposition yet I, okay. I, like I said I like to believe it exists later um, but as far as I'm uh, it's just, it just has it's you know it's little parts of maybe they meet a strange man on the road or they stay inside a, a, a abandoned metropolitan city for a little while um, other than that like there's there's no real explanation besides one line of um uh, a guy told them that the the government is not in control anymore. Um, but besides that, you just kind of see. It, it for me, it looks like just your general like uh government uprising or people uh uh a revolutionary uprising in the government, and um unfortunately with the technology of war that uh majority of the citizens are the victims of the uh, revolution some interesting facts that i just found googling it um hit me dog it's a manhwa meaning it's not a manga it's, it was made from korea so wow um it also is maybe some heavy uh political references maybe um looks like there's three volumes um right now uh looks like chapter 21 might be the most recent one so you're almost there and it looks like it's still can oh, looks like it's finished. So it was it was released in twenty sixteen, yeah. and then chapter twenty one. So you're you're almost there. Yes, sir. Um, cool. Yeah, I mean that seems like a quick like manga adjacent read. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's it's very pretty in the the level of detail and the it's. It, I would say like maybe tops. Uh, fifty words a page. You know, it's not, it's not crazy dense. It's very, it's much more visual than it is, uh, actually, um, 
conversation based. So gotcha. It's an easy read. Ready? Easy peasy read. Get get some nice visuals in your eyes and uh probably get really sad. Ready? Um locked my phone. I think I'm around at eighty four with it. Okay. Well however you feel right now, man. So I, I can tell you what you said, what it is right there, but however you feel right now, that's the important part. So what what rating? Eighty four. Okay. I feel in eighty four. Looking looking back at it and how much it's kind of like uh, infecting my brain. We're at an eighty four. Good read. Beautiful. The father son podcasting microphone. It just has to get you through three awkward years before you can both start drinking together. So I'll be quick in the podcast world. Um, I, I'm going to bring to you the Triple Ko podcast. The reason why it's called Triple KO is because there is three knockout hosts. Uh, but also it's a reference to um, video games. They This podcast is about fighting video games. So if you liked my um, episode about Evo on the Level Zero podcast, or if you just like fighting video games at all, you'll totally like this. Each episode is a different topic, about an hour, hour and a half, I think some of their episodes are. But they'll talk about either like the worst fighting game characters... They'll talk about um, their like rollback netco. They'll talk about hitboxes. They'll just do different main topics in the fighting landscape, which is really interesting. But the reason why the show I would even listen in the first place is because I like the hosts already. So I'll, let me let me hit you with this lineup. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with a, probably the one you don't know. Uh, do you know Matt McMuscles? Oh, I know the McMuscles family very well. <laughs> close close friends. Uh, Matt's great. He makes a lot of like uh, fighting video game content, but he just makes a lot of stuff of like what happened to blank. Um, and he's just kind of like a video game historian. So he's the more, he's like the casual gamer. And then the other two are a little bit more serious. The middle one is Maximilian dude. He sits in the middle between the two. I would say he's in the middle as far as like intensity goes. Gotcha. And are you familiar with Maximilian dude? I, that's actually a name I probably have heard. Blonde, long hair, glasses. He's like, the fighting video game YouTuber. Like, if there is a fighting video game YouTuber, it's him. Then I'm sure I've just, like, Googled a fighting game to, like, yep. find something about that fighting game. And, and he's then, played it. And then, yeah, he's played it, reviewed it, and, you know, or I'm looking for a character. I feel I, like I've heard that. I like him because at first I judged him to be, like, a total nerd weeb, but he actually is very well-spoken. He He's really cool, really honest about YouTube and about the, like, fighting game landscape. And also... He was super sweaty at one point, and now he's not. So he's able to look back and be like, "Oh, you know, I don't try to play it professionally anymore." And then, obviously, the the legend Justin Wong. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. from Evo Moment Thirty Seven. Evo Moment Thirty Seven. That, that's the moment where him and Daigo go back and forth. I, I think that's the number of the of the moment. Mm. The 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 parries. You would know it if you. Yeah, if yeah. you listen to that level zero episode, you would know because that's an important moment to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's also a name that's like, oh, I'm I'm sure that's rattled around my brain, but I can't uh, pin it down anywhere. But yes, Justin Wong has been very good for a very long time. Competitive fighting video games, he's just a mad lad. So the three of them, they just talk about different stuff. They all have different levels of, I mean, where they're at right now. But it's, so it's funny to talk about some of their history when they talk about like who are annoying video game characters, to, like fighting video game characters of them. Or it's fun when they talk about like, oh, this is what I think about DNF Duel and like, why is it going to be a, a long-standing game or not? So, it's it's a new show. They just started this year, and so far, I'm I I think it's very very good. I'm I'm really engrossed with it, and I 
I'm not even kidding you. The best part about the whole show is their cover art. It is really, really good. Like, really good. Give it to me. I really like it a lot. I think that the font of it, like the fact that it has like a Joy-Con, uh, not Joy-Con, but it has like a joystick mixed into the Triple KO. Yeah. I like the color scheme. The, I mean, the three arrows, you know, give you a little representation of each uh, host. It looks like a video game cover, just like if I were to get like a, uh, like if it was just the art, like the, um, N64 artwork or something like that. Like, that's for sure what it would be on. Yeah, they also record video as well. So if, you, if you're not the kind of person who wants to listen to... You need some video podcasting in your life. It also can be abbreviated as TKO. Because it's triple KO and not technical knockout. Um, but here's a little bit better of it. But just to see, like... Just to see... Yeah. The fine detail. It's very, very clean. And like whoever made their very like, arcade, um, the even the background of it, yes, is, it's uh, like that, a CRT TV yeah, analog, like scrolling, and it says uh, press start at the bottom, which is always nice for when you're trying to get that vibe across. So, yes, I would I would say, um, absolutely, triple triple knockout is a. This is something that I showed when I typed in triple knockout. There's, I, there's, be warned if you Google triple knockout images, safe search off, you will get some interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the show is solid. And I like, I like fighting video games. I like that it's hyper spe- like specific to just like, this isn't just a video game podcast. This is a fighting video game podcast. So it's a very small niche. Like probably most of you listening right now will not actually listen to this podcast. But for those of you who do like fighting video games, who wants to learn more about it, they do a little bit of history. They do some opinion pieces, and they're just very well-spoken, all three of them. Hey, buddy. I've said this once, and I've said this before. This is the best season of the Dissect Podcast. Okay. Season 10, Bo Burnham's Inside Out. <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely not Inside Out. That's a Pixar movie, but Bo Burnham's Inside Out. Yes, I'm following you. Um. We uh, all know and love that I know and love the Dissect podcast. Um, this one, I, I feel like, is the is the most heat of it all, um, strictly because not only can uh, uh, Cole Kushner dive into um, dissecting the beats that were, you know, some of them are like, uh, the information is just incredible um, when you find it out, how... Uh, some of the original score, the background music is uh basically diluted from Bo Burnham's uh first YouTube video, um, My Family Thinks. Uh and then uh also breaking down the visual aspect of it all. Um, it being uh, uh here's a wonderful word I learned and um have to save. Um the Poyamanon uh turn uh poyamanon film genre hmm which yeah would, that, that sounds be, like a korean word almost yeah it's a very deep literary word uh basic meaning is uh a work or creation about creating work basically is that is that making any sense a creation of the creation okay so so like it's like it, you're making something that 
it's almost like ironic. It's like you're you're showing the work that you're doing on the work that you're watching. Exactly. So the two um, biggest, uh, it you can't even like Google like uh, Poyaminon examples. Like it's not even a, a Googleable Googleable term. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other one that I found that is Googleable is uh, um, Little Woman. I've never seen Little Woman. I don't know what Little Woman's about. You mean the Greta Gerwig film with yeah with <laughs> Saoirse Ronan? Yeah. So okay, I, I so guess that technically is a poemanon because she's writing a book in the movie. Yeah. So uh, Saoirse Ronan is a writer, and so I think she's writing the book Little Woman. So it's a movie about her writing the book. And you're you see what I'm saying? yeah, you're watching in, in that movie specifically. You're watching her write the book, and so like maybe some things get exaggerated because it's her writing the book exactly. that she's been the part of. So the breakdown in Dissect is that uh, Bo Burnham is, you're seeing a comedy special about him making the comedy special. Stranger Than Fiction. And then... Will the, Ferrell. Here's, here's where I want to connect it. The only other poiamenon in film that I know of is Rango. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen Rango. It is... Uh, the lizard Rango stranded on the in the desert, but he is making the narrative that he is a sheriff. Yep. It, I, I, unfortunately, you haven't seen Rango, Rango yeah. because then you could connect the dot that it's also a poiamanon. Ruby Sparks, did you see that one? No. So he he's eh, I don't know if this counts, but basically he he's a writer as well, and so he wrote up this character named Ruby Sparks, and she came to life. And then whatever he writes about her is true. So that he writes that she can speak French. And then now in the movie, she speaks French. Maybe I'm misinterpreting I, a little bit, but I think that's there. Yeah. Um, it's in the realm. What's, what's difficult is that, uh, clearly little woman and Rango are about a different like work that's being created. Mm-hmm. Whereas inside is the work that is being created in the film. Sure. So you're creating it as it's filming. Like right. it, and it insanely, it makes it insanely difficult, um, and confusing. Yeah, a little um, paradoxical almost. Exactly. Um. So, in the dissect podcast, it kind of gives you a breakdown of what was predetermined, as far as a uh, musical and comedy and skits go, and then it it you narratively it describes the turn of of where it's like okay now we're going into. Um, this was probably written in that room and performed in that room for uh, this effect in the special. Gotcha. Um, when, you, when you're going to score this, uh, I wanted to keep it right inside where I put inside. It would be a 98, and I think wow. inside was a 99. So this is, this is easily the, the best podcast of the year for me right now. Wow. Yeah, I got I got ninety one for uh, inside, so I, I should uh, give this a listen if you think it's keeps yeah. up with a masterpiece level. It's so worth it, and it makes you like, uh, yeah, it it if you didn't before, it it transcends Bo to like genius, insane levels of creativity. Um, triple K, I would give an eighty six. I don't know if I I rated it, but that's why I'd rate it very great. Eighty six. Sit right there and 
there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. In West Philadelphia, born and raised, on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool. All right, bro. This one is a straight-up recommendation from uh, one J Mac Bride. Um, What's up, J Mac? J Mac. Uh, he recommended me Hellfire by Black Midi, um, and I I started listening to it, and I said, "This doesn't sound like anything Jared McBride would like." And he said it's really good, and he agreed. I was like, "Did you listen to the whole album?" Because he just, he just played me one song, and I and I love that song. Um, and I and he He's said, like, "Yeah, no, nah, just I just it's the one song, but you nope. can you can listen to the whole album." He liked the whole album, the whole album, and I was I was real surprised because it's not like his style. It's did I'd he, say it's, did, did he throw a rating down? I don't think so, but I he, I imagine he probably thinks it's the ninety because he was real enthusiastic about it. He, he knew I'd like it, and he was right. He's when when he for the most part when he knows I like something, he's usually right about it. But um, nice. but that being said, I mean I I. I really, really like this album. I, I'm giving it 86. I think it's a great album. I don't think everything hits um, front to top, but um, I'll let you guys give a listen. It's like I said, it's weird music. It's it's strong music. Um, it's it's eclectic music. It's all over the place. Um, but it's just great instrumentals, great vocals. Let's listen to it, and then we'll try to dissect maybe some of the genre inspirations. Some people really are awfully sad This you can't deny Some people are as useless As lips on a fish's eyes No pistols, no blades Strangulation was how it had to be And he could depend on the strength Of a man of manual labor And that was Dangerous liaisons by black midi let's let's follow up with the conversation i started genre inspiration what did you think about that song and then what do you think about the genres um so i've listened to their past music and from this specific album i don't think i've been through the entire album i just found the video for what was it sun Tzu. sun Tzu. i dropped that in the discord mm-hmm um, and the tag I left under it was jazz with the heavy metal and thrash sliders all the way up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're, I think they're pretty badass. Yeah. They're, they're wild, man. I mean, I, I, it's a, I would say acid jazz for sure. Mixed with almost like this song specifically had like a show tune type flair to it. It was yeah, very weird. It's so it it the feeling of like uh listening to a like a musically interpreted like performance does that make sense so you're you're watching a performance and the the music is interpreted with it think of like a live action fantasia right no yeah 100% i i i there's there's something like really entertaining about listening to that kind of music like it just it's just really engrossing it's evolving and i think I I will always harp on this. Music that evolves is always more interesting than music that stays uh, static. Stagnant, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have this like big MC voice, like basically commanding the visuals. 
of what you see and then in follow suit like just this jazz band playing like faster than human possible and like following it up almost in like uh following it up uh, almost improvisationally right no I, I i it definitely feels like uh an eclectic sound you know i i could see how this could be off putting for a lot of people just cuz it is there's no it, way you could play this in a in a a road trip um right and i, I think uh this could be seen as like almost noise pollution, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I do, I do really like it. It's just, it's freaking, it's, it's just sick. Like, I don't, I don't know other way to explain it. Like, oh, like I just like watched a movie in my head to this song kind of feeling. There's a character in the TV show Home Movies. Have you ever seen, um, I've seen Home Movies, the animated show Home Movies. Um, it, Brendan Small is is the uh, creator. Uh, he voices himself as like a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a, a coach, Coach McGurk. I'm stalling because I I'm trying to look up for a, a certain character, but there's a a character in the show that I feel like would uh, love this kind of music. Um, I think his name is Dwayne. And Dwayne, he is like a like portrayed as a metalhead, and uh, and I wouldn't even call this metal per se, but just like just off kilter music, you know what I mean? Just totally balls to the walls. It's that, like if if a metal uh artist had to play jazz, his band is Scab S yeah S C. And then A with the umlauts, B. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like you know he he he's he looks kind of like jo- Joey Ramone, and like that's like the kind of like the kind of people at a Black Midi concert. Yeah, I'd be very interested to see the people at a Black Midi concert, what they look like, who's opening for them. You know, who yeah. Else, what do you else? what do you match with this? Like, yeah, like I mean, I could see them with um, Death Grips. Yeah, they're, they're not they're not the same music, but I could see it being like the same kind of people who like it. You know, maybe Black Midi would open for Death Grips. More likely, yeah, they're not as big. Um, because I I don't know if you play this with like a actual like thrash metal crowd. You know what I mean? It's almost like it needs like a a a very um open like. Uh, alternative kind of crowd I feel like yeah I mean London London based like I just feel like they're 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 playing secret shows you know what I mean secret underground shows easily yeah for sure and you show up and like there's a DJ for the first 30 minutes and then these people come on and you're still dancing you don't know why yeah I, I would like to see them live it'd be very interesting very interesting um, I'm gonna give. I think I said at the top of the of the segment, eighty six. I'm sticking with that. This is one of my top five albums of the year. Um, great new release. Thank you, Jared, for enlightening my eyes to it. Uh, what do you got for us, P. Rye? Um, I got a late entry. If it wasn't this, it was gonna be something that's uh, mediocre. Um, so mediocre. <laughs> 
Mediocre, Wazowski. Mediocre. I got What's Wrong by Elliot Fulham. Fulham? Fulham. Has he ever been featured on the show before? No, absolutely not. This is a debut album. Debut? Incredible. Debut. And it came out this year? This year of uh, the second of this month. Wow. So I say a a real last minute entry. Last minute. In the the 11th inning. In the 11th inning, yes. Um, Elliot Fulham is a New Jersey artist who conjures the magic of what loneliness meets hope with his ghostly vocal melodies and gentle guitar tracks uh, bring you a tranquil feeling to the listener. So he's inspired. You know who Duster is? You a big Duster fan? I can't, I can't say I'm known as a Duster. Um, this story of Elliot Fulham is, is probably what interested me most. Um, he's done like a, the classic uh, hold the iPhone interview. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done that with members of Slipknot and, um, a lead singer of Metallica, um, and a few other people on his YouTube channel. Um, I think what's it called? The little punks. Okay. Um, the, the twist is he's, he's been doing it since he was nine years old. Um, okay. His sort of promise to his fans was that he would release an album by his 18th birthday, which would be this August. And this is Elliot Fulham. This is Elliot Fulham's what's wrong. And what, what song are you going to be sharing with us? Um, we'll give you the uh, opening track, Delonia. hypnotic yeah i would describe it that way as well um get a nice mix of like super airy uh doubled up vocals in the back with a super entranced plucky guitar and was that the um whole album kind of like that um it 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 goes a little deeper uh so like i like i said um written and recorded in uh his childhood bedroom as an 18 year old um so you get that nice uh thick almost uh juicy juicy living inside his bedroom um loneliness yeah he's a he's a young man um maybe a few lines here and there kind of step over the boundary of angsty and become a little cringy Okay, I could um, I could see that. I mean, he's a young man; he's seventeen. His uh, album cover looks a little cringe. Uh, it's a little. I mean, you're. It's that. It's that post punk late nineties kind of feel to it. Sure. Um, as far as like, uh, musically, um, I I just found it very f- fresh, even though it is he he clearly he's heavily inspired by, 
like I said, Duster. Um, if anyone's been listening to like Mag- uh, Mazzy Star, like it's it's just all a, my Mazzy Star fans out there. Um, yeah, he d- it definitely has a has a sound that's from someone else, but it's kind of just nice and refreshing. And uh, his voice is a little smithy. Sounds yeah, like the Smiths. Yeah, in a, in a sense, like you can almost like uh, it's very sincere for especially like an eighteen year old to be that sincere in their writing. Um, I find it uh kind of difficult to f- listen to even full uh, adult pop stars being that sincere in their music. Um, so that's why I found this so fresh. Uh, fresh eighty. Okay, the Grady. It it passes the good threshold that it's a great album. Um, clearly he's a a young, uh, instrumentalist and vocalist. So there's definitely you get a sense of lacking experience. But um, looking beyond that, this is incredible for an eighteen year old to be able to put out uh, this quality of music. Um, so maybe a pro, maybe a con. Uh. Definitely uh, more interested to see what else comes from the little fella, the little tyke. The little guy? He's kind of like, a, um, if you've looked at any of his um, YouTube videos, he's just like a kind of little weird, nerdy looking kid. A little manlet. little manlet. Um, it probably doesn't have a lot of people walking up to him saying, hi, how are you? Uh, it's probably the main inspiration of this music. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if I saw him in public, I'd be like, dude, this is sick. High five. Uh, let me give you a hug. A, every young man adult has been there and, uh, it, it doesn't end. I don't know. And then he'll say back off. I'm 17 years old. Sagittary. 18. Uh, I think we, could, we can agree on a consensual hug. I think, I think he said before, recently before he turned 18, right? Yeah, uh, at 18, on his 18th birthday. Oh, okay, so barely legal. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Where are we at, brother? We're at the waist cap now. Are we at the waist cap, dude? We are absolutely at the waist cap. Dude, we hit it, dude. We hit it. We hit the final stretch. Uh, For all those of you who are new, these of you... Um, the waste cap is where we recap oh, one thing that our our co-hosts. Should we, should we do South African accents at the bottom of the show? The waste cap. Uh, one thing that our co-host, uh, you know, recommended cross recommend. Wow, South African. I I don't think that's what that was. I think that was like a Canadian pirate. It was French Canadian. French Canadian. Um, so we we cross recommend each other stuff every single episode and then we just choose one from the last month's episode and then we review it for the audience and we usually do a little bit of a spoiler talk about it um what you got dude i got the big hit show this is not necessarily from last month's episode i took it from cheated. i cheated a little bit we've we've been loosey-goosey this this roundabout um and i listened to a new season that wasn't even there when you talked about the big hit show uh fight club so every episode mm. of the Big Hit Show is five episodes every season. Mm-hmm. So is so um, right now they're going on Pokemon right now, which is interesting because I thought the Big Hit Show was just going to be about big hits, like music hits. Musically, yeah, it's I didn't, like big hits, big franchises, popular culture. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So 
I listened to the five episodes that talked about Fight Club, and I actually recommended my mom because she loves the book Fight Club. She loves the the author, and it, and a lot of it is about the author Chuck Palahniuk. Um, and it talks about some like some toxic masculinity type stuff, but then it gets a lot of interesting think pieces about how it's actually a very homoerotic uh, book and movie because Chuck Palahniuk is oh, yeah. a homosexual, and so he wasn't out at the time of writing it, but he kind of reflected a lot of his inner thoughts. I could see into, that into the book, um, and subsequently into the directing of the movie Fincher's. Well, I Club. guess if you if you think about it, he's portraying himself as like a hypersexualized male. Yeah, like that's how he would see himself as like a a top of the food chain, like alpha male. I am Jack's dying lung. <laughs> I am Robert's bursting colon. Um, it was it's very good. I I liked it a lot. I I I would also give that the eight oh the eighty. Uh, I think it's a great stuff. I think I've been listening to some of the Pokemon stuff, and it's maybe I just too I'm too close to Pokemon, but it doesn't really not really giving me a lot of interesting information. Um, I'm through like two or three episodes, and I'll probably finish the five episode uh, series of, of Pokemon. It just wasn't out at the time that I was listening to it, but it also sucks that it's stuck on Spotify, and I'd rather listen on Pocket Cast. Um, Fair enough. Great, I think it's a great little podcast. And and if it's if there's another season of something that's like really like engrossing me, I want to learn more about, then I think that that's what I'll yeah. I'll pick it up for. That, I think that's where I'm at with it too. It's like not exactly a podcast I'd go through the whole a library of, but definitely if like something pops up, it's like oh, I really like that thing. Let me learn more about it and be more in love with that thing. Speaking of being in love with something, you watched. A show that we did talk about on last month's episode, Severance, which was the Bob Buell recommendation. Bob Buell. What did you think of Severance? Um, cut me up, baby. I'm ready to get severed. Absolutely, dude. You don't, you don't think it's unethical? Um, I think uh, I think it could be done ethically. Is is where I'm at with it. I would be. I would be. Uh, here's here's me. On um, CNN and on the fence uh, severance supporter. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> here we are live with Darian Equipado, uh, here to show his support in the Severance Act. Uh, Darian, uh, thank you for being on with us today. We'll start with that. Um, thank you. Thank yeah, you uh, for having me. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. Um, now, Darian, please talk to me. How can you stand in defense of such a horrible, diabolical act that is severing the human mind? Well, Diane, um, I would just like to say, coming from your average Joe labor worker, um, how beneficial this could be for someone if done in an ethical manner. Um, mm, go on. Uh, I I. Wouldn't say I am supportive of the acts of the Lumen Company. Let me cut you off right there. Lumen is not sponsoring you in any way, or you are not an official representation of Lumen um, Industries. I have not taken any amount of pay, nor signed any uh, uh, disclosure agreements with the company Lumen. But, therefore saying, their technology has opened the world up into a greater, uh, more effective and more efficient workforce. I think that's my, uh, my official, uh, thought of it. Even after watching the show, if you finished season one, right? Yes. Um, great show. Visually incredibly great. Um, 
all the all my favorite episodes were produced by Ben Stiller. Or yeah, directed man. By ben, Stiller. ben Stiller's the man. So he, makes me think of Cable Guy. That's one of his first uh, movies he ever directed. Exactly. So like, uh, clearly, um, the dude is uh, uber talent. I'd rather never see him on screen again. Uh, um, saying that I haven't watched uh, Walter Mitty. Wow. You, I think you'd like Walter Mitty. I know I would too. It's just it got away from me, you know. Wow, that's crazy. I really do think you'd like that one. Um, but Severance is great. Yeah, it sounds great. And like just visually, it's so great. I love the shots of them walking down the hallway. I love the like. I love the music, the OST, like the original soundtrack. Yeah. It's just, it just, it's like a. It really engrosses you into like the story. I and mean, I love John Turturro, bro. Mm. He's he's out of his mind at, at that role. Like, yeah. I don't know, something about the way he delivers his lines is, is like, so specific and, like... Yeah, um, love, favorite characters, uh, Mr. Melichick. He's gotta be. I, I told you, bro. I told you. He carries that show. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's insane. He, he plays, plays so many different hats. Yeah, so good. Like, even being, like, under the boss. Right. Um... But still, like being a boss, being a boss, and you see how like controlling he is to yes. the uh, severance workers, and then, um, dude, I love a melon party. I love a dance party. Yeah, the melon party's great. I'm really considering um, a Mr. Melichek dance party with a small blood stain as a as a Halloween uh, costume. Oh, even though no one would get it, and yeah. I would also not be in blackface. Wisely so Wisely But I mean Like the outfit itself Yeah it's like the turtleneck And I have a mustache Yeah Is is the closest Like I'm at with it Maybe I'll I'll put the hair up I feel like if If I was that character I would wear my hair up Sure Um, But still have the long hair Um, I One of my favorite scenes Is when he wakes Zach up In the closet Like that's such an abrupt scene And And he's like Where am I? Is this my kid? Oh yeah, and, is and this I, my home? I love. He was great too, though. He was incredible. Yes, yeah, Zach, Zach's a good. He's a good actor. Like he, I've seen him in other stuff, but never like this. You know. Oh, it's it's so deep. Yeah, deep. <laughs> I, it's been like three times this episode, but I just really haven't. I've, yeah, I I've felt kept the, that one to myself. I felt the need to do it to myself because that was that was the most egregious one. Well, I appreciate that for letting me off the hook for making fun of your crack. Um, <coughs> but. I, I, I love that scene specifically because that's like the one of the first real scenes of panic we see in, in Milicek. Like it, it, there's more panic that comes oh, later, yeah. but you really see the panic on his face. He, he does so many different emotions so well. And the, like the best of it all is, aren't we having a good time? Oh yeah. Aren't we? Uh, and it, and it's like that, that line is really hard to do sincerely where it's like you want, you're trying to convince people of something you're not convinced yourself. Yes. Yes. That is like such a like emotion that's um, so difficult to portray, and so many people screw it up. But he kills it in that show. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to do this awfully because they. I don't know their names, but uh, Christopher Walken's character, his mm-hmm. his retirement party, and when Irving comes in and yeah. crashes it, and he's like, "We're going to behave now, aren't we, Irving?" I was like, "That's heat, bro." Yeah, that is. There's some fire behind those eyes, even though he's clearly smiling at you. I could go on forever. My wife really likes this show. My wife. I, I'm going to drop the 88 on it, not because it's your favorite show, but because it's her favorite show of the year. Um, why isn't it Masterpiece for you? Wait, let's talk about things that maybe hold it back for you personally. Um, I needed a longer season. I needed more characters. Um, 
you felt like it was it was held back by the limited amount. Yeah. Um, and I also I can't I I just kind of needed to be more convinced that. Um. I wanted his the main character's Audi to be more of an asshole. I kind of guess. Oh, Adam Scott's character. Yeah, I I needed. I think I just needed more of everyone's Audi, to be honest. I mean, I like how... Yeah, we really didn't see Irving's Audi right until the finale. Yeah, and I kind of feel like he might be my favorite Audi. Yeah, he seemed like quite the soul. Yeah. Um, wanted to see his but, Audi more. But I think the reason why they held off showing her Audi was for like the for reveal. For a good reason. For a good yeah. reveal. Yeah, but, yeah which, which is a good reveal. Yeah, and they could have kept... I mean, they still could have kept the reveal secret. Zach's, uh, once again, like your... You're kind of pre-exposed to it in a small percentage. Um, but yeah, I think they, like overall, like the, the any is perfect. That is a, like a 99 perfect. Yeah. Everything on the severed floor is perfect. Outside of it, it kind of, I, I mean, the, uh, you know, the, you're kind of like their gone girl, mysterious, detective right. sleuthing is, is, oh, is just okay. For I, me. I get that. I get that, because especially because like PD, like the stuff that goes on with him. Yeah, and like, yeah, I won't won't spoil anything, but it kind of like ends the way you think it would, and he ends well, up. This is this is spoilers. We can, we've already gone we've already gone quite right, a bit. This in is the second time. So yeah, the the way how and like the way PD, I think PD could have done been a bigger character. Yeah, especially like him. Like it would be nice to see him interacting with. Uh, Mark's any like that's what I really wanted is like Mark's any to find PD on the outside and kind of save him. You know what I mean? Save PD from is what I really wanted. How great was Rickon? Rickon? He's the uh, brother-in-law who had wrote the book. Oh, <laughs> his, his character is so like obnoxious and awful, but just like reading and his book. It, yeah. And how it interacts with the innies is is hilarious. I like, I was busting I, up. Yeah, I loved the uh, the the faded <laughs> scrolling of the, his book across the backdrop while someone's reading it. Like it's so funny. Um, like just unprofound things, like stupid ass things yeah, that just want, mean the I world wanna, to them. I want to remember a line so bad right now, but I can't. Yeah, there was there was a there's one line where I think um, uh, Dylan and uh, uh, Ethan. Or not Ethan, uh, Mark, Mark and Dylan, they, they share a, uh, they quote the same book, yeah, a yeah. passage. It's like, and he's like, page 157, straight fire, bro. I was like, yes. Um, I, I was curious though, at the very, very end, like the last line of the, of the series, he says like, she's alive. She's like, just say what his wife's name was. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Think, think of your wife and she's been gone for years. And you'd call her whatever, something. She's alive isn't enough. No. It isn't enough context. No. I mean, you would say their name. Yeah. If you're going to get something out before and you. And also, I don't even know if I would like, I think I would break down like hugely. Yeah. I think, yeah. well, I guess it's his any, so he doesn't like. Right, know the, know the, the level. The level. Um, it is. The last thing I'll say about this is that it is S two confirmed. It it is it was the part that I I found the most un, unbelievable part was probably the part with Dylan and the switches. 
I felt like that was a little ham-fisted, like the fact that he had to stretch and like have two things. And then I also felt like the break room wasn't like, I don't know. Break room doesn't scare me. Yeah, but maybe that's just because we haven't been there. You know what I mean? Like on the outside looking at it, it's not as bad as like every waking moment of your life you were there. So, yeah. So where like Zach is coming from, like not knowing his children's names. Yeah. That's unethical. Um, Irving unable to like feel anything and he's like trying to pursue this pseudo relationship. Whipper, yeah. yeah. I I was mad I didn't get John Turturro and um and uh Christopher Walken kissing. I I, I, I wanted that so bad. Like two like legends kissing. I wanted that so bad. Yeah. I uh, I mean hopefully. We can only cross our fingers. Right? It's not gonna happen. Um that I would consider unethical and then also the female trying to kill herself. I would consider that unethical. Um <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> the break room? Is that really that bad compared to the other stuff? <laughs> the break room? It it's just like say something a bunch of times. I mean, it's it's just mental fatigue. It's like breaking you down. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's why that's why they call it the break room because they're breaking you down. Yeah, it's it's mental torture, but it's like uh like that being threatened as a someone threatening me with the break room. You know what I mean? I'd be like, I mean, whatever. I'm going to go in there and lose my mind anyway. I'm losing my mind out here. What do you think going in there is going to do? It's not going to teach me anything. It's not going to stop me from misbehaving. That's I think that's my my real gripe with the break room. I wish it, they were breaking bones in there or something like that. You know what I mean? No physical, no physical harm. Because then you know it when you get home. What's my son's name? It's like why? Classic. What what happened? Oh, you got your finger stuck in a paper jam. That's why it's broken. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, great show. Thank you for listening to the, that spoiler chat of Severance, and thank you for listening to this episode. Um. I I'd like to apologize to my co-host D Ryan to the audience. I think my ADHD was acting up today, and I just don't feel like I gave the best recording. I was very distracted, but um, we made it. We're here. We talked about severance. That's all. That's all that mattered. Today. We, yeah, we, yeah, we pushed through. We we had an engaged conversation about that, and hopefully for all the severance fans out there that you you enjoyed that one. And if you didn't watch it, then yeah, we we basically told you everything that happened. Go ahead and watch it now. <laughs> See if now there's anything. It. See if there's anything, if there's anything that surprises left. you. Yeah. Anything? Any meat left on the bones? All right, guys. Have a good rest of your day, afternoon, evening, and like we always say at the end of every episode, we say stop or we say hit the record button again. We say we say we say stop, and then we say bye. Bye. Just in case I don't include it. Well, then would you be including this? The world may never know.